Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so um, quick intro this time, not a long one here. We're almost to, um, almost hunting season. It's the end of uh, August right now. It's like August 30th, I think, when I'm recording this. So um, lots of prep already been done. Um, of course, like as usual, like I do, I kind of go back and forth and back and forth on what I want to do with my setup and, um, you know, changing out things as far as like how I shoot and, and, and what spines and tip weights and blah, 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 when I should just be, you know, leaving well enough alone. But um, that's not going to happen. That's what I do all the time. It's what I do every year. And it kind of sometimes bites me because I get in this like last little minute panic um, before the start of the season, you know, we, uh, we got like two weeks here, two or three weeks. I can't remember. It's like, like I said, the 17th, I believe or September. So, but it's, you know, for, for me, it's, it's almost like, it's like Christmas Eve, like damn near, it's pretty close. So pretty excited about that. Um, definitely going back to shooting carbons. I think I mentioned that last time and I'm kind of cutting and tuning some, uh, carbons now for, uh, the ASL. Um, probably will be getting rid of the aluminum. So if you guys are looking for aluminums, um, 2016s, 1916s, hit me up. Um, you know, I think, uh, I can just kind of ship them to you for pretty cheap. Uh, there's no sense in me kind of holding on to all that stuff for too long over here. So, um, let's see. So there's that. And what else, what else, what else? I've been still putting out some videos and practicing with you know whatever kind of variation of setup for you know tree stand or one stick climbing or whatever i think i'm going to settle i keep saying this but i know i'll change it i think i'm going to settle on um you know the saddle with one stick climbing and when i do the tree stand then i'm going to just also one stick climb and use my tacta saddle as my harness hook it up from uh, from behind um I think uh, that's going to work out you know, pretty well. I don't, I mean, not that not that sticks are like heavier or whatever, but I just don't like hauling sticks and trying to, uh, you know, stack them all or, or trying to bungee them all down to the platform and this and that. It's just, it's just a pain. Um, I know people have been doing it since the dawn of time, but I just, I just don't like doing it. It's so much easier with just one stick and uh, that, can, that way I can just one stick up, rappel down. I've got a pretty good system. Pretty when, when, when the season gets going, I'm actually going to do a video on it. Um, so you can actually see the entire setup of uh, me climbing and how I'm set up up there and then rappelling down and how I set up my rope so I don't have to finagle with too many, uh, you know, tying and untying too many knots. I think I've got that thing pretty well, pretty well figured out. I'm, pr I'm pretty happy about that. So uh, let's see. So there's that. Okay, what else? So, hmm, let's see. You got to think about that. Not, not, not a whole lot more. Like I said, I'm just kind of ready for, ready for everything. So, uh, people are asking, you know, which, which bow I'm going to take to the field. You know, honestly, you know, first day, first opening day or opening, you know, day that I get out, I'm really not sure. Um, you know, I've got my, in, in, in order of um, confidence as far as like what's the most forgiving for me um, is, you know, the grizzly. Is, so I might just actually just go out with the old faithful there with, with the grizzly. Um, you know the ASL is shooting really good, but I guess still again I gotta get I gotta get these carbons tuned up, and then the, the Java Man of course is like the most you know also like super you know short and maneuverable and that kind of thing. Um, you know that one again I'm still kind of shooting the fighting this like it, this tendency to shoot high, and I have to actively aim low, and I'm not usually like an active aimer gap shooter, and I'm having to kind of gap down a little bit, and I'm not really liking that, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everything else is, I mean, they're all just flying so good. It's just, I just got to pick one and kind of commit to it and not, not think too much about it. So, um, what else? So yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, 
did another video on there about uh, the push, the push uh, alpha pack, by the way. So good time to mention that. This uh, episode is uh, partially brought to you by uh, the pack, the Push Archery Center of Knowledge. And uh, the good folks, obviously, over at the, at the Push Archery. And like I said, I do have that push alpha pack that, um, that, I've, been, that I've been testing. And I did a video on that one. And the alpha pack for me is not going to be, it's not going to be, it's going to be like a small game pack or like a range pack. Uh, probably not going to use it for like normal hunting or anything like that, but it's coming in really, really handy actually. I was wearing it uh, this morning. I was wearing it this morning. Um, you know, I needed to take, uh, oh, you know, a whole bunch of like tip weights and things like that um, in, in a little container and I didn't know where to put them. And I'm like, well, you know, do I take my backpack too and just kind of bring other stuff along and I shove some other things in there. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't need to bring even you know like my door gunner along let's say I mean that's just too big I just use the alpha pack so I strapped that on put that in there that was perfect it was perfect for carrying just like a small amount of stuff that I just didn't want jangling around in my cargo pants uh, pockets and and uh, it worked out awesome so I'm, I'm really really like a big fan of that so definitely go check out um, uh, the new products and I know they, they released the new pack on there uh, the Ridge Runner I believe and uh, that looks that looks you know, pretty sweet. I think it's going to be in addition to the Alpha Pack, so I don't think it's going to replace it. So I, I really, I'm really liking my Alpha Pack. So I uh, do that. Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to Tim um, and his wife. Obviously, they just had a uh, baby boy. And um, congratulations to Schaefer, Schaefer Magnet over there. Uh, he, I think they were like literally, literally like a week apart, and he just had a baby girl. So, um, you know, super, super good guys. I really don't know them like other than like talking to them, like messaging and, and phone and all that kind of stuff. You know, ne we've never met in person, but you kind of get the measure of a person, um, you know, pretty quickly. And I think they're going to do just fine. I think they're uh, they're they're cut out to be dads, and uh, I, I wish them I wish them all the all the you know the best and happiness and and all their families and all that stuff it's it, it's a special it's a special thing to uh to do that so i think they're gonna they're gonna thrive with it so anyway congratulations guys all right so um getting on with it so today's episode it's kind of a kind of a split episode kind of going back and forth it could almost do like two episodes on this one but um it is a guy in canada his name is uh carrie gibson and his wife mindy and uh, Kerry is an arborist. He uh, he's an arborist for a living. He's been doing it for I think like 20, 25 years, something like that, maybe longer. I mean, he's he's he knows his stuff. And we talk all about um, man. We get into you know various types of hunting and saddle hunting and ro and, and uh, climbing methods and descending methods and uh, knots and what you know how people you know, could screw up and they, you know, they need to be more, you know, how they can be more careful and, and, and some of the red flags that he sees out there with, with some of the stuff with, uh, um, people new to, you know, saddles or climbing or this, that, and the other. And, uh, I mean, he just wants people to be safe. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of experience, you know, being safe and being in trees and tying knots and things like that. And, uh, we have a really, really in-depth conversation about a lot of this stuff. It was, it was, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad some of the stuff came out because I think, especially in the last few, several few years, especially the last few years, with like different, these climbing methods and different hitches and, and whatnot, um, it's real easy for someone to make a mistake and not know what they're doing and just trust someone on YouTube. And, um, and you know, my hands going in here, I'm, I'm that guy too. I'm on YouTube telling, Hey, this is how I do it or how, you know, what, how, to tie this or how to, how I tie that or whatever, but, um, it's, it's really would be, be behoove you to go and, uh, really investigate these, these things that you're going to try 
and uh, learn from a professional and just understand that some of the stuff is not as easy as uh, they make it seem on some of these videos. So, um, so we have a great conversation about that and about hunting in Canada. And I think he was, they were about to go on a, on a bear hunt and I'm not quite sure how that went. I got to follow up with them. Um, and then his wife, Mindy, of course, uh, is relatively new to uh, hunting and relatively new to uh, uh, traditional uh, hunting and stuff like that. And bow hunting in general too. And uh, she builds um, some incredible, uh, strings, uh, traditional uh, uh, bow strings, and I believe I'm going to. It's uh, it's uh, God. I'm gonna have to put it in. I think it's like Saint Croix, Saint Croix bow strings. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize, Mindy. Um, I'm kind of doing this intro uh, a while after we recorded this, but I'll put it all the stuff in the in the show notes and stuff. And uh, I'm going to be ordering um, a set or two of strings from her because uh, you know, hey, why not? You can always have some some backup strings. And she, you know, from 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 what I've, others have said, she does some like really really incredible work. So we kind of go back and forth. They kind of uh, jump in back and forth between uh, uh, Carrie and Mindy and that kind of stuff. So. Um, it might be a little bit kind of all over the place, but not really. Uh, trust me, it, it, it flows. And uh, I'm really glad I got a chance to uh, to talk to those guys. So, all right. So that's it. I think uh, by the time you hear this, some of you guys might be hunting already. That's, that's awesome. So if that's the case, uh, good luck to everybody. If not, uh, get all your last minute prep done. Get all your last minute um, uh, practicing and sorting out and 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 ordering parts or you know sor- sorting out your logistics at the base of the tree when it's dark you need to have that stuff you know done dialed in before it gets too late so get out there and, and practice when you can so all right so without any further ado here is my interview with Carrie Gibson and Minnie Gibson yeah I see it there we go okay Cool. Recording. Yay. All right. So, uh, welcome everybody to the Honing Soul Podcast. Uh, so today we've got Carrie and Mindy Gibson on the line and you guys are from Canada and traditional bow hunters. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you are, I want to, I want to let you guys dive more into all this stuff, but Carrie, you're an arborist. Um, you, uh, you know, you're, you're a traditional bow hunter, that kind of stuff. And I, I want to hear your take on climbing and knots and ropes and safety and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Mindy, you make all kinds of, I didn't know you made arrows. We just, I just found out that you made the custom arrows, you do custom strings, um, and an interesting story about how you got into the whole world of, of, of hunting in the outdoors and stuff anyway. So, um, wh- where do you guys want to begin? Like who, who wants to go first? Um, I think I think we could probably do how uh, Mindy got into it first, just because sure. it, it it might take a tad longer than the rest, but maybe not. But anyways, uh, yeah, well, we can talk about that. Sure. Now, where where, where are you guys from exactly? I know you're you're in Canada, but uh, where where in the vast country of Canada are you guys located? Yeah, we're in Brockville, um, in eastern Ontario. Okay, Brockville. Um, what is that near? Uh, what I know, cause I grew up North of Toronto. So, um, yeah. so we are halfway between Toronto and Montreal. We're right on the St. Lawrence river. So if you cross, if you swam across the river or took a boat across, you'd be in nor- uh, Northern New York state. Gotcha. Yeah, um, and we're, we're one hour South of Ottawa. Yeah. One hour South. Okay. How close are you to Bowmanville? 
Um, is that before or after Toronto? That's before after. Toronto, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be west of you guys. Yeah, I, I know. I know Bowmanville because um, I know you go to Bowmanville and then head north a little bit. And there's a racetrack up there called Mossport. Uh, actually, yeah. now it's called Canadian Tire of a CT. What is it, CTMP? Anyway, it's always it's always been Mossport. It's always going to be Mossport. So, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so just well, kind of geographically, kind of locate you guys. Toronto to us is like three three hours, so I think Bowmanville's probably two. Okay, right. It's about an hour outside. That makes sense. Okay, cool. And you yeah. know what? It'll always be Mossport to me too. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can call it what you want, and um, you know what, you know one of the owners, Ron Fellows, right? I mean, he's he's one of just we're a little aside over here. Um, I mean, he's he's one of like the absolute nicest people you're ever gonna meet. His whole family, you know, uh, I love that guy. So super 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 go, cool guy. But anyway, um, so. Let's uh, okay. So, Mindy, let's let's start with your story. Um, let's kind of get get that out of the way. I was told that you uh, not uh, maybe not too long ago. I don't know. I'm not sure how many years ago, but you were a card carrying member of PETA. Let's dive into this. <laughs> yep. Um, growing up, I uh, I wanted to be a vegetarian. I hated the whole uh, any sort of killing of, of animal. At at that point, I really wasn't even thinking about hunting. Um, it was more just the you know commercialized um thing about you know cows and chickens and pigs and stuff like that and mm-hmm. I don't even really remember how I got onto it I think I may have just seen something online um and I I know I once I got into the PETA thing I saw a lot of videos that really just were awful um you know treatment of the animals and stuff and then it was just right then and there I was like all right you know I'm I, I don't want to participate in this. I don't want to, um, you know, give give any value to it. So I I tried very hard, but I mean, I was young, living at home, and my mom just would not, you know, she, instead of just not cooking the meat for me, um, she cooked it anyways. Mm. And uh, you know, not to waste it, I had to eat it. So mm. that didn't really pan out too well, but. I tried and I, I did try, um, when I got a little bit older and, you know, my mom wasn't cooking for me anymore. Uh, I, I tried on my own, but I just found it difficult. And then, um, then when I met Carrie in 2008, end of 2008, um, he, you know, was a hunter and was telling me about what he was doing. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's awful. You know, (laughs) (laughs) why, why would you want to do that? You know, they're, they're you know they're living out in the in the wild on their own like if you want to eat meat just you know at this point I was kind of away I was eating meat myself so I wasn't you know being a hypocrite but saying you know if you want to eat meat why don't you you know buy from the grocery store where these animals are raised and that's what their their life is meant to be eaten whereas you know these deer they're cute and they're you know, out in the, out in the woods and they're just living their life and, you know, and, and, um, until I end it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what, to, 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 uh, to side with, with Mindy a bit, um, I can't disagree with her for her, her reasons. Like when I met her, we talked about that and her reasons were commercial meat, meat marketing, right? Commercial mm-hmm. meat marketing. Yeah, I, mean, and, and, I wasn't I wasn't against the actual <clears throat> consumption of 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 meat. Like that that was not really my thing. It was the the treatment. Like these animals are, and I you know I still I still feel the same way. 
um, the treatment that, you know, commercial animals go through is just awful. And, you know, being a, a PETA member, I, I saw some awful, awful things. Um, and it's just, just terrible how they're treated. But now that I'm in this world of, of bow hunting and, and traditional archery, I definitely, um, and the, the ethical sourcing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm definitely not a, against any sort of meat eating. It's just the treatment. And I'm, I'm way more happy with the hunting aspect, as long as you're doing it ethically and responsibly, you know, and, and that it, um, you know, I, I disagree with this light lifestyle a lot more and I'm very yeah. envious of people who are able to, um, have pretty much a wild meat only type of diet and, you know, or, or can <laughs> Me too. You know, yeah, raise, yeah. raise their own you know chickens and maybe raise their own pork. Uh, or I guess you don't call it pork pigs. Yeah. yeah no, right. Raise your own pork. Do you yeah. call it that? Yeah. Um, sure. So, you know, I, I would love to be able to, I say it's my five-year plan. We're going to have a little homestead. I don't know if it's really ever going to come to fruition, but I, I really hope it, it does. And we can not buy any meat at a grocery store it would be great. Yeah. 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 And I mean, Last year I killed two deer with, and, uh, there's still like, like I was thinking the other day, okay, well, you know, hopefully we can get a bear when we go up there next week. But, uh, if, you know, and then I was thinking, well, you know, the freezer is probably almost empty and I went out and checked and actually it's not, there's still, still probably a little less than half of the two deer in there. So, I mean, our, our bow season opens October 1st. And then I have two tags. Mindy has two tags. So fingers crossed, right? Yeah, that's um, yeah, absolutely. So, so Mindy, so how long did it take you to actually pick up this, uh, you know, hunting lifestyle for, for yourself? Um, um, well, it, it sounds it like it didn't take too long to, to kind of come around to understanding why, you know, yeah, um, uh, really, carry hunting and stuff. But when did you pick it up? In the beginning, um, I, so first I, I really didn't like it. And then Carrie had taken me out in the blind a couple of times. And, um, he, he told me afterwards that if a deer came out he wouldn't have shot it, he would have just let me like experience it, but like experience the animal there and stuff and, you know, natural habitat kind of thing. Unless it was a huge buck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so in the beginning, yeah, I, I still kind of, I wasn't super okay with it, but you know, whatever. Um, I never told him to not do it. Like I never said, you know, I, I, I don't want you to to do it or, you know, whatever. But, um, and then he actually took a break from, from it for quite a while. Like almost 10 years. Yeah. So he really wasn't, um, he wasn't doing it really. And then it wasn't until, I don't know, last few years that we really got back into it. I I think, Four or five years ago, you bought me a uh, a recurve. Is that that PSE? That PSE coyote, yeah. freaking crap bow. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> any, anyways, that that got me back into it because I started in 1985. Okay. And um, she, uh, you know, I had done it hardcore until I met her, 
and then you know I got into my work, my job, trying to build my business, and you know with free dive, spear fishing, and stuff, and that kind of filled up a lot of time. And I was traveling, doing it, and stuff. But then she bought me that bow, kind of re- rekindled the fire, and then I, I got like a used longbow that I found online, and uh, I'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, it's kind of a unique, unique bow. But then, you know, I got the fire and uh, and just, you know, jumped right back into it and kind of dragged her in with me. But she had gotten some exposure before that because when I, I did with that PSE coyote, I did kill a really big doe with it. And she came out with me and it was late. It was like. Yeah. So like within the, t- the time frame that he like the 10 years that he wasn't into it, like, um. I, you know, when he started to get back into it, I didn't really necessarily care so much. I just didn't really want to see it. I didn't mm-hmm. want to, I didn't want to witness it. I didn't, want, I didn't want to see anything, but then, um, but then I ended up coming out and he needed me to help him drag the, uh, the deer the out. You, you felt, she fell through the ice <laughs> helping me. drag. Oh, and, and of course, so talk- let me ask you this, like at, at what, at what stage of, um, a deer, like a dead animal between that, like in the field and like sitting on your kitchen counter or cutting board or whatever, where, where did you personally kind of say, okay, from, from this kind of snapshot forward, I can handle it. Right. I mean, some people obviously don't like to see the thing dead. Of course, no one likes to see like, you know, the, the gutting part, obviously. Um, some people don't, they're still squeamish about after it's skinned. Some people, you know, and some people are completely squeamish about it. They don't want to touch meat at all. They just want to put it in the frying pan right out of the, you know, if they go by to the grocery store and take it out of the saran wrap thing, right? So for you, um, what, what, what part of that process were you like, okay, I can kind of ease myself into this and be okay with it? Well, just right after... After it was dead, I, I was fine. Um, oh, I had okay. no problem. Yeah, I had no problem. Like once he called me and said, you know, I've shot this doe. I need you to come help me. And I was, oh. you know, I was perfectly fine with that. Um, even, I mean, the gutting process, I was I was okay with that too. It was pretty gross um, just because it didn't smell too pleasant. Hmm. Um, yeah, but, no one likes gutting a deer. I don't care how long you hunt it for. I mean... <laughs> It's yeah, my, my least favorite part. It's pretty yeah. disgusting. I mean, it's cool. I'm, I'm yeah. very, I am very intrigued with that though. I definitely don't have any problem with, with dead stuff. Um, yeah, it, it's intriguing. I mean, it was kind of cool to see it. I've never really, I've never seen anything be gutted before, <clears throat> aside from a fish. Um, so I thought that was, it was pretty cool. So yeah, I was totally okay with, with that, and um. Yeah, so we dragged her out. We got her back to the house and um, hung her up in in the shed. And then um, we kind of had a little bit of a whoopsie, and we left this, the hide on overnight. And it, well, it, it, froze. It, it wasn't a whoopsie. It was kind of mild when I shot her, but <laughs> then it dried. You know what it's like in Canada. So it went from, mm-hmm. I think it was like five or six degrees when I shot her, and it dropped to minus twenty five overnight. And the, oh, and the hide, solid, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hide froze to the carcass, so it wasn't. Uh, it was not a fun uh, skinning job. And when oh, I when man. I took it, when I took it into the butcher, uh, the guy that I used before we started processing our own, I took it into him and I said, "Man, I said I'm really sorry, but I don't know what to do. It's going to be cold for like a week." So 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he did a good job. He got, you know, got it back to us with very little hair in it and stuff. So kudos cool. to him. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And we had, uh, it was like a shed that we had hanger up in and this, this part I didn't really like, but I, that might be anybody, um, because it was a short shed and we had, what's that thing he had to hang her on? The rafter. No, the, the thing you had to put. Oh, yeah. The gambrel, yeah. So she was too tall, and so Carrie had to get the hacksaw, or he he had oh. like a machete or something, and had to cut her legs off. And uh, yeah, I really did not enjoy that. Really <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Um, yeah. that made me a little squeamish. But other than that, you know, when when I have to, it's, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, it, it, it's funny because like you're saying the same, you know, same things. Like for me, right? I have no problem with with the gutting part, right? But for mm-hmm. some reason, it still like makes me uncomfortable. I don't know whether I've watched too many like like uh, uh, mob movies or whatever, you know. But when you're cutting through bone, that yeah. that sound, you know, with a hacksaw and cutting through, and the smell of like that bone dust, it turns my stomach. So if I'm like even cutting like a shank, because um, I need to cut it and have to get into a crock pot, I hate I hate sawing through bone. It's absolutely just kind of. I, I don't like doing it. So, you know, don't, I'm not saying you feel bad or weird about it, but like if, if people do, they shouldn't because this, the, you know, some people can be like totally okay with what other might, other people might consider gross and <laughs> totally turn their stomach for something that's so benign to somebody else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He also cut the head off. Um, he was chasing the kids around with it. <laughs> <laughs> But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was facing the grandkids around the yard. It was funny oh because you know, I just used a hatchet and cut it off. So yeah. it's like three or four uh, swats, and then clunk down it goes. But yeah, it was a short shed. Where where we live now, it's it's better. Like I have an actual come along hooked up and a gambrel, so I can hang it up, and then I can yeah. just you come come along pull it up. And we have like a huge area area in the garage because we actually process the whole deer here so we we cut it we grind it you know we vacuum seal the uh the the cuts that we want to keep and uh so it's all done in-house now instead of taking it out mm-hmm. cool so mindy did you have um uh, other kind of like vegetarian or vegan or you know pita kind of friends when you were when you were doing this and um have you have you been able to con- if if so have you been able to convert any of them or at least kind of see the light of the hunting side where it's a little more ethical and not, you know, factory, you know, cruelty or whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have any friends, but yeah, I guess my, my mom to a certain degree, um, she obviously has, didn't have any problem with the meat aspect. And, um, when I was trying to do it, but, um, she, she, I think understands the hunting, um, mm. and, and eating the wild meat. Um, she's pretty picky with her meat. Like she doesn't eat any pork. Um, <clears throat> she doesn't eat, she doesn't like that. <laughs> we call it lips and arsehole, um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, like the sausages sure. and, uh, and you know what? I didn't, I never really liked sausages either until recently. Um, so I think growing up, with with her um i definitely had a lot of influence like we didn't eat we didn't eat bacon i didn't eat bacon growing up um stuff like that just because she doesn't she doesn't like pork 
doesn't like those sausage meats and uh, salami and things like that. So, but and she still doesn't. But she'll she eats wild meat now. She loves when it. She, yeah. When she comes over, like she's had <clears throat> lots of venison um, and moose. moose, and I'm sure she'll try bear if we get one on this on our bear hunt and uh, whatever else we end up. Oh, she had wild she had wild turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, she oh, always forgets that she eats it or she's eaten that though. Every time we talk about it, she's like, I've never, and I'm like, yes, you can. I have to remind her every time, and then she remembers, but. Um, so, Mindy, have you have you had success yet, then, in, in, in the field, or? No. I had uh, I had a couple opportunities um, with with turkey, and I ended up blowing it, um, and, and with deer. But what happened is I, I started out hunting with my compound. Um, so actually how I got into archery as a whole, um, because I, like Carrie had made some self bows and I had them and I just never, I shot them, but I, you know, I, I just never really felt any connection with it until we went to Cabela's one day and we went to the back and I picked up their compound and they let me shoot. They had like the test compounds there yeah, or the, the test, test bows. And so I shot one of the compounds and I just, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I had this sight on it, you know, so right away when I picked it up, you know, I was pretty much throwing the arrows exactly where I was looking for the most part. And so I just, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I really like this. So I ended up buying myself a compound. And then, and then after that, I ended up going with the longbows. But for hunting, I just wanted the compound for um, accuracy accuracy and i just felt like sure you know in you know in the yard in the garage i can hit the target but i just wasn't confident on shooting on an animal with my longbow without sights and without you know that kind of security so um so i was taking my compound out and so we went through a couple of seasons with turkey and deer and i had some close calls or almost being able to get shots um but then we realized that um i get really bad uh animal panic what do you call that no it's not target panic but yeah, <laughs> stage it, fright stage I guess. Fuck fever you know whatever yeah, you want to call it it could be anyway she can't pull the compound i can't pull it back i mean i can pull really it back, no problem you know, practicing stump shooting, um, you know, shooting at the target, no problem. But as soon as an animal comes out, I just, I completely lose all function of my muscles. Yeah. And it's, wow. it's like a, a nervous thing. It's same thing when I'm trying to get up in my tree stand. If I'm really nervous about the, you know, positioning of my tree stand or the stick or something, and I'm, you know, I'm not very good with heights either. So if I'm scared yeah, going up. I just, I can, I feel like I can't, I can't pull myself up. All of my muscles just, they leave my body and I can't. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much it. I've seen <clears> her, <throat> like I do all her tree stand sets and set the sticks and stuff. And mm-hmm. usually the first few sets of the season, she's like pretty shaky. Yeah. And the first time she ever got to tree stand took her 45 minutes to get up the steps and on the platform. Like I, yeah. I had to go, I had to go up. Uh, move her, take one stick out, move her stand down. And I didn't go too far away because I wanted to be able to watch her when we were hunting, make sure she was okay. And uh, 
I finally, after like half an hour, I was on the ground. I said, I said screw this. I said, I got to get in my stand. And I was sweating because I had to go back and reset her stand. And, uh, you know, her leg was shaking like a dog crapping razor blades. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, uh, yeah. it, 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 she was just like a nervous wreck. And yeah. I got on my stand and I happened to look back and she was up on the stand, but she was sitting on the platform, hanging on to the seat facing the tree. Yeah, and, and, and like and, I and shaking, yeah. I I told her I because we, we weren't far apart. I said, "Get in your, get on the seat, get on the seat." And she's like, "I couldn't." She's like, "I can't, I can't." Finally, I just said, "Whatever." Mm-hmm. I turned, I turned around, didn't want to look at her. <laughs> I just let her do her <laughs> thing, and then I turned around back, and she was on the seat. But I mean, she was <clears> death gripping that friggin' her one hand on the seat, one hand on her tether, and her fingers were white. Like she, she was just death gripping. Yeah. The, the look terrified. on her face, she was terrified. <laughs> so now when she hunts, I mean, the first couple of times she goes up, she's a little bit slow, but by mid season and the end of season, she's just flying up there like a squirrel. Right. So, yeah, it, 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 it takes a bit to get used to it. I, I, I was to say, I wasn't quite that bad, but I've never been super comfortable in a tree stand. Um, even a really nice, you know, secure one. Um, I don't know why, you know, I just, uh, especially if he's leaning one way or another, you know, so first, first couple sits, I'm always like, you know, I'm, I call myself a tree hugger. I like to be close to the tree. Um, you know, uh, some of these guys that have some of these longer stands, you know, and they flex and everything and they go all the way out to the edge and turn around. I'm like, that's, you're, you're asking me to walk the plank. I, there's no way in hell I'm going out that far. You know what I mean? And it's just a mental thing, but, um, everyone, you know, either get over it or you don't, you know, or you, or you, you find a height that it's weird too. Like I find like, if I'm like 12, 13, 14 feet, I'm fine. If I go like another, like two feet higher, for some reason, it takes me into like another like realm where all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, that ground is pretty far down. (laughs) You know, it's just a mental thing. It's weird. And and it is a mental thing. Like, for, for me, obviously, being an arborist and, you know, worked I've worked in countless hundred foot tall trees or more. Um, for, for me, it's not a thing because when I'm up there and I'm on rope, I'm not thinking about the ground. Right. Like I'm thinking about the task at hand yep. and, uh, and stuff. But I still like because I climb single rope and uh, just because it's more efficient for work, sometimes I will be, you know, 20 30 feet out from the trunk of the tree mm-hmm. oh really that, that, that happens to be where the tip is which is tip is an, an acronym for a tie-in point and that's where it happens to be so you have to ascend in the open you know sometimes 60 70 80 feet in in open air you know like a, like a spider on a web <laughs> oh hell no <laughs> the thing, and no the thing, thanks the thing is you, you don't go up uh in one direction you're spinning the whole time, right? Yeah. Because you are hanging. As you get closer to your tie-in point, you don't spin as much. But when you're down low or about halfway, just because of physics, you're going to spin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, one one stroke of, of going up, I'm looking at the tree. The next one, I'm looking at the river. The next one, I'm looking at the tree. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. That that's how it goes. But uh, but by you know, like I said, by late season or mid season, late season, she's flying up there and, and it's not a problem. And uh, <clears throat> she did. She did have some chances. She did blow a shot at a turkey uh, this season. And actually, last season, she blew one, too, because she wouldn't shoot. But there was tall grass and she was a little worried. She couldn't get the uh, arrow through there. And I said, mm-hmm. Luke, 
grass. It's, you know, it's like tall grass. He's eight yards in front <laughs> of the blind. You could have shot. Yeah, but it's just hard. Yeah. Like when you can just see his head. Um, she and, couldn't. She couldn't envision where the body was, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got so, you. Yeah. So that one, I didn't even attempt really to draw. I, I, yeah, I didn't even really fully attempt. It was kind of like they were there, and it was just me, like you know, should can I do this? And I didn't end up, and they ended up leaving. It was four Tom, uh, four, four Jakes, four Jakes, four yeah. Jakes came in, and, and then and, and they were eight yards from the blind, Emma. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So nice. this this season though. She did have a chance at a beautiful Tom. Like we had got into a spot and where we where our, our favorite spot, it's a chunk of Canadian Shield uh, that runs through this area. Actually, it's Frontenac access, you know, where Kingston mm-hmm. is. So it runs yep. from kind of there. <clears throat> and it's it's hilly. It's rocky. And I don't think the turkeys can hear you as well as you think they can. And you can't hear them. Right. So they they call a lot because the sound's bouncing everywhere oh so, yeah yeah they, they can't pin it's not like an open flat or a field or like a hardwood ridge or whatever like this is all rock and cliffs and stuff with some hardwoods so they they have a hard time pinpointing you and finally when they do so we, we were getting ready to leave and i i remember i i did a i think i did some purrs and some uh some purrs and some little hen clocks and stuff, and then some more purrs. And then Mindy, because her eyes are better than mine, she said, oh, there's one coming. And he was a beautiful Tom, had like a 10-inch beard. And he just came on a string. He didn't stop, didn't slow down. He came right in. And he got right up. And our, our, it was seven yards from the blind to the decoy. Wow. Oh maybe six or seven and he came right in he was right at the decoys and uh i'll let mindy tell the rest yeah so i just you know tried to pull my bow back and i i just couldn't do it yeah (laughs) just like i was nervous scared and i just lost all my muscle strength (laughs) and and that was tom have you have you have you gone um small game hunting at all kind of um yeah. You know, kind of get practice. I hate to call it that, but I mean, on, on something smaller, maybe no to get your confidence going. I don't think I, I don't, I don't want to kill a rabbit. I had bunnies growing up and, um, I don't think I could do like a rabbit. They're, or... they're, they're kind of the off limit animal. So if I tell her, uh, okay, I'm going to go shoot some rabbits and stuff. Mm-hmm. She goes, don't you dare shoot them. Yeah. But, uh, I had but, bunnies. I, I couldn't do it, but <laughs> really, okay. I, I won't tell you about the one I shot the other day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She she was in the blind, and I've got the camera, the GoPro going, and she picked her bow up, and she just pulled, and I said, "What's going? You know, I'm whispering, what's going on? What's going on?" She goes, "I can't draw my bow," and then she tried it again, and and couldn't do it, and I said, "Draw your bow, shoot the turkey, like he's right there," and uh, she looks at me and she said, "I can't draw it, I can't do it." Yeah, and do it. the the problem is. She shoots a whispered uh, biscuit. No, right? but then he left. He left because he mm-hmm. saw, like, you can't really see in the blind. It's really dark in there, as you know, uh, with uh, those those blinds. But her compound has a whisper biscuit, and it's pink. And um, oh. it, it's bright. So when uh, he left, and, I, like, he couldn't see a lot of movement. But when I went out and... Uh, I was getting the decoy down and I looked back and all I could see was that like pink whisper biscuit. 
You know what I mean? In the dark. Yeah. So yeah. A, yeah. A, a turkey's going to see that moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he didn't he didn't run. He just turned around, mm-hmm. walked away. He didn't. I think he might have gobbled a couple times. Eh? and uh he just turned walked away and out of her life and that was it that's the only chance that she got so we're hoping yeah i i I did blow a chance for her the season before at a huge buck because i couldn't see it and she could and uh again we were hunting pretty close like 20 yards from each other so the rule the rule she has now is i can't be closer than 200 yards from her well no we just (laughs) we cannot be and I'm line of sight. Like I want, he cannot stand stand still in anything, so he moves around too much. And yeah, but um, so the the turkey was that was kind of like the final draw where we realized the first one was bear last year. We went on a bear hunt last year, and I had a, I had a bear come in, um, and and I I was it was like minutes from uh from last light and i wasn't sh- i wasn't sure about it and i was you know i wasn't 100 percent sure going in that i could shoot this bear and so i thought well i'm just gonna draw on it and i'm gonna see how i feel about it and i couldn't draw <laughs> I, well actually first i tried to pull back and then i my um my release is, I don't know if it's leather or full leather the, or the, what. The, but strap, the strap, wrist strap. Is the strap, yeah, it's leather. And so, you know, it, it creaks. It makes this, you know, the leather noise. Yep. And it was dead quiet, dead quiet. And so I'm trying to pull back and my release is squeaking and the bear ends up looking kind of in my direction. It doesn't actually look at me. Looking in my direction. So I kind of stop, let, let down a little bit. And then it goes back to eating at the bait. And I tried again, pull back again. It's my, it's my release is, is making this creak noise and it looks back at me again. And I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, I'm losing light. I'm not going to be able to take the shot within the next, you know, like minute or two. And so I thought, well, screw it. I'm just going to pull it back. And if, if my release creaks again and, you know, the bear sees, looks up at me and, and takes off, then, so be it, you know. Um, I also so are you, are you in a tree stand or are you in a ground blind at this point? I was in a tree stand, yeah. Tree stand, okay. Yeah, and I also didn't want to get stuck there, right? Like if mm. it, you know, I lose shooting light and it's just hanging around eating. I don't want to get stuck in the <laughs> tree stand either. So I was like, whatever, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to pull it back and, you know, if I lose it, I lose it. So I tried to pull it back and I couldn't do it. Uh, and then everyone was like, oh, you know, it's just, it's because it was a bear. It's, you know, a large animal and it's scary and whatever. And then I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, that's probably it. Cause I have no problem pulling my bow back, you know, and then it happened on a turkey and yeah. there's no, <laughs> that's not a large animal. It's not a scary animal. So it, we just. So what, what are you going to do then this? Like, are you going to, what are you going to do to kind of get over that? I mean, if for the season, I mean, are you, are you taking, I don't know, some sort of coaching. Are you, I mean, how, how do you, how do you tend to, to tackle that? Um, selling my compound and um, getting rid of You're that. Selling the, okay. Yeah. I'm just going to go with um, my, my longbow. I have a Tolkien and I will just have to get over that um, 
confidence thing, insecurity thing that I have that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a, a proper shot mm-hmm. for that because, you know. I think the big, the big deal is too, is because a compound hurts hard and you have to roll it over. Yeah. And, and, and if you're in the heat of the moment, you can't do it. Now she does have an absolutely gorgeous 54 inch Tolkien Pika. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can shoot lights out with that thing. Like she is a deadly shot with that bow. And uh, because a traditional bow starts easy and then gets heavier as you draw, I, I don't think she'll have, have a problem. And Mindy has like probably one of the best releases I've ever seen in my life. Like you've yeah. heard people talk about the the old timers and their complete dead release. So yeah. when when Lou draws her bow, She'll come back. She she gets a nice solid anchor, mm-hmm. and all she does is she just opens her fingers, and the string goes, and nothing moves. Like really, everything stands still. Solid bow arm, everything, huh? Yeah, yeah. Bow arm doesn't move. Her release arm barely moves. It's just she opens her fingers, the string slides out, and the arrow's in the target where it's supposed to be. Nice. So you know. I, I do well, but I'm always jealous watching her shoot because she has such a perfect release. You know what I mean? Like just absolutely, yeah. absolutely dead. And I think she'll have more success with the pica because she won't. I think part of it is the jitters and then, you know, having the the strength ability to break that rollover. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, it's coming up. It's uh, five days and we're going to be in bear camp. And so how, how far is bear camp away from where you live and how long a drive is that? Uh, six hours north. Oh, wow. so okay. It's, bet- it's between uh, North Bay and Sudbury. Okay. And uh, a buddy of mine, Dean Sleeman, he's actually related to uh, the Sleeman beer dudes. And uh, he started a camp last year, you know, and we were as, like beta customers and we didn't pay or anything just because we're friends. We went up there and he uh, built some cabins. So there's a couple cabins there. There's a kitchen cabin. You know, he's got a practice range lights right down on Smoky Creek, which runs through there. And uh, he has five working on six active baits. But right now, all five are getting slammed all the time with some. Really? Yeah, I sent you the pictures of those. uh, The other day you did. Yeah. Yep. And they're huge. So Mindy will definitely he's putting her in stand two which is the one where the the biggest bear is hitting so this will be her test yeah yeah <laughs> man yeah i it's it's on my bucket list to go bear hunting um for sure you know uh so i'm always i'm, I'm always really like envious of uh i mean I, I love watching all the deer hunts and the pictures and all that stuff but for, it's i don't know i've never been bear hunting and for some reason that kind of holds like a special like uh place in my in you know in, in my fall time i guess uh heart you know what i mean where it's like oh man if i if i see a picture of that or or somebody going bear hunting i'm like all right i i i inspect it i kind of do close-ups of it i try to see like how far you know like their setup is and how close they're actually gonna get to that because i've never been that close to a bear um so there's there's just that much more element of like uh like cool factor to it but also a little bit of danger to it you know what i mean yeah, and, and that's what we were talking about. Like, he has a, a couple stands, and you know, 
for anybody who's interested, you can look him up on Instagram, Bear, Bear Feeder Hunt Camp, he's called. And, uh, bow he, only. Bow only, yeah. He's bow only, so he doesn't guide to, uh, to gun hunters. But he has a couple stands that, I mean, they are butt crack out. You know what I mean? Like, they are way, <laughs> way out from uh, base camp. Right. And it's kind of, so what I usually do, is a because I, I don't want my custom tolkey smashed all around on the back of an ATV going down this uh, trail getting banged off everything on the sure. way around. So uh, I will park. I'll drive down this uh, Crown Land Road and I'll park and then I'll walk in because none of them are that far. But Stand Five and Stand Four they're pretty far and Stand Five is way out, but it has some really big bears hitting and it's right beside a great big beaver uh, beaver dam and swamp and stuff. So I'm not uh, expecting the bugs are going to be great, but it, it's it's that whole element that, you know, you, you get down at dark and uh, you got to walk out to where you're meeting Dean with the ATV and, you know, you're you're doing a lot of shoulder checking because it, <laughs> it is dark and it's thick. And, you know, being from Ontario or growing up there, you know exactly uh, what the bush is like when you get in that thick Ontario bush there. Yeah. If, if that is something you're nervous about though like dean dean would meet you like right at, like for me he'll come right in and meet me at my stand yeah, yeah so you know if if you're worried about you know worried about that walking out in in the night or whatever um he'll he'll meet you at your stand so you don't have to worry about that and come in with the flashlight and stuff yeah gotcha so what do you what are you guys using for um Let's talk about your gear for this hunt. We can, we've kind of pivoted into this bear hunt, so let's just keep going with it. Um, let's let's talk about your guys' equipment. Like, what are you shooting? You know, poundage, uh, rodheads, all the all the, all the goods, all the geek out stuff. Um, yeah, well, we both have our tolkies. Um, um, mine is uh, Carrie. What's my 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 uh, forty two to twenty eight? Forty two to twenty eight. What's yours? Mine's uh, forty seven. Yeah, and um, I know I've we've got I've made the arrows, and I don't know what broadheads you're putting on there. Yeah, so I'm uh, a friend of mine. He died actually last August suddenly. He used to build uh, footed arrows up here. He built regular arrows, but he did footed ones. So he built me a dozen uh, Douglas fir Osage footed tapered shafts. Okay. And uh, for me, um, I killed two deer with them last year. Both both deer, the arrow just like whistled right through and stuck in the ground like eight inches. And yep. uh, all I did was take it out, clean off the broadhead, touch it up, and shot another deer, deer with it. <laughs> and it was uh, it was good. Like they're they're extremely tough, and the footed shaft gives you a little bit of that you know extra FOC, which with wood arrow it doesn't really matter because you have that weight through the whole shaft. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the reason people apples, they look nice though. Yeah, yeah, they, and they look beautiful and they really feel nice. good and they're quiet. A wood shaft is always quieter than a carbon or aluminum. People can tell you, oh no, if it's properly tuned, it won't be. No, it's not. They're always quieter because it's it's a solid medium, right? Um, yep. so it just soaks up the sound. And there, eleven thirty seconds, they taper to five sixteenths at the knock. Now Mindy has the same uh, similar shaft building. Their uh, uh, Porter Orford Cedar from Wapiti, 
and a minor uh, fur from Sherwood shafts. And then hers are purple heart footed. Oh, and, I bet that's gorgeous. Yeah, they are. And, and she crested them and fletched them. So she's shooting. Uh, what is she? I think she's at 12.3 grains per pound. And I'm uh, 14.3. That's pretty much where I ended up with my ASL so far. That's that's funny yeah. you say that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah. I it drops off like a rock after 15, 16 hours. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I, until I, then, I, it's a, it's a freight train. Yeah, I've got accustomed to it though, and I can shoot, I can shoot mine out to about 25 or 30, and you know they. But it's funny the Tolki Pika that I have now, because uh, I had this is my third one. And I sold the first one because it wasn't a takedown. And then I got another one and it uh, it was nice, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Like the, the Osage didn't turn the color that I thought it would. So I sold it. And then I had uh, another custom Pika made. And this one's 56 inch, 47 to 28. And I wanted mm -hmm. like a really dark themed one. So, yeah, you know, initially, Jared, they kind of messed up on the order a little bit you know, uh, uh, cross-wired and confu confusion going on, on on both our parts. And, uh, you know, he said, okay, well, do you still want it? Or I can build you a, a different one and this and this. And I said, yeah, you know what? Just keep building it, finish it, because I got a feeling it's going to look good. And he said, he said, I think because the, the lands are so dark that it, it's like super dark figured myrtle. And he said, mm. I think so dark that once you get the glass on them it's just going to fade out and stuff and it was completely opposite like it just turned out everyone who sees it said oh my god that's the most beautiful Tolkien i've seen and uh but that bow will drive those like my bear arrows with 190 cutthroats or 632 grains mm -hmm. um, and that bow will you know out to 20 25 even 30 it's like 30 of course it's a bit of an arc but even at 25, it just hammers them in there. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, so that's what I'm shooting. We both have great northern quivers and uh, on there. And then obviously, you know, just whatever. I'm going to take a, a stand up with me. I, I have a couple of Toki Vanish Evos. So I'm going to take one up there with me. And uh, I, I have a couple. Uh, lone wolf assault twos too which i guess they're you can't get them anymore now no they're novix now so yeah and they, and they, they, they don't make yeah they don't make that size they make a smaller one the helo yeah which is what i have and they still make the the echo which is what the um the uh, not the assault the alpha yeah yeah the, the problem with the with the the helo i looked at it and i wear like depending on on the boot, it's like a 12 or 13 boot, depending on what I wear. And I just run out of real estate late season on that stand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I don't, uh, I the, the Assault 2 is by far my favorite stand. But it's the same length as the Assault 2. It's just narrower. Yeah, yeah. So it's narrower. So what happens is because it narrows in, and if you're wearing like tall lacrosse boots. Yep. You, you get snagged on the cables. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get yep. you get snagged, snagged on the cable. So the the yeah, actual, that's my number one pet peeve with it. Yeah, the Vanish Evo is a really good stand. Um, I do like how they how Cody designed the, the main posts so it's uh, 
it's got the cutouts in it like an i-beam mm-hmm. so it's solid but and it's the i-beam because the only thing that can make noise on a lone wolf or a, or a novix is that hollow uh uh c-tube sure yeah well i mean chances of hitting it are probably none but you know i mean nothing zero right so yeah i mean that uh i like and you know it's got the a few little extra things so it's got the um this the i'm not a huge fan of that xop seat like it sits you out pretty high but when you sit on yeah it's too thick yeah it squishes down a lot like i like the novix and the lone wolf seat better Mm -hmm. but it has those little ears on there that you can flip you know you can put the bungee around keep the seat there when you stand the seat up, you can flip it around, kind of use it as a as a leaning post or whatever. But yep, like a little butt cushion. Yeah, when you lean against yeah, the tree. Yep. Yeah, when you lean against the tree, but I mean, I think they're both great. Both like like Cody had a huge part. Cody DeQuisto had a huge part in designing that uh, that mm-hmm. tree stand. And yeah, they may be made overseas, but I think that actually what it is is all the parts are made overseas and they're shipped back to Iowa where they're assembled. Yeah. So, did you have the did you have the um, the original Vanish um, as compared to the, the Evo? Because I, I I don't know what they changed on the Evo, but I had the original Vanish, right? So this is this is before I got into saddles, right? right. Um, that's the reason I sold it. I was actually gonna switch to an Assault Two, and then the saddle thing came along and I jumped on that bandwagon. But what I didn't like was the um, the the angle of the V of the platform. Okay, not necessarily the Batwing, but the platform itself was too yeah. narrow. So it would always pivot, um, even on like a normal size tree. It didn't have to be a giant tree. Even on a normal size tree, what I would consider a normal size tree, it would always just pivot on the outer two most ones, right? And it didn't have enough teeth engagement. Like it almost needed, like it, the, the mouth needed to be wider. If you look at the Assault 2, um, it's much, much wider. You get more teeth and uh, engagement. So I, I didn't, like it would kind of, even if you locked it, you had more of a chance of kind of wobbling it side to side, I found. And I just, I just didn't like it. You know, I mean, I don't know if they changed that on the Evo or not. Yeah, they they, they did. I think they changed it a bit, but they also with the uh, Batwing, they went to a six point instead of four. Oh, they did. Okay. So, I mean, I think that kind of uh, helps take up some of the stress. Like I I've had it on the backyard when it's locked, in, like severely locked in. I mean, yeah. you never know till you hunt with it. Like I I got two of them. Uh, recently, and so we have two Vanish Evos and then two Assault Twos. One, uh, the one Vanish Evo is set up for run and gun mm-hmm. with the, uh, uh, the uh, mini double sticks that they came out with. Yep. So, because I, I really like that J-hook system that you can hook them on the, on the stand with, so they lay flat against the stand. They're not sticking Yeah, that out. is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, those J-hooks will work with any stand, though, and any one-inch sticks. doesn't matter what you have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like that. And then I recently, uh, you, you may have seen it on my Instagram, I recently uh, collaborated with M&J Outdoors and BC, uh, Richie Lowe out there. He makes custom-made packs. and a little pouch, right? What's that? And you made you made like a little pouch, right? Yeah, like yeah. A- it's it's called the Gibson after a guy I know, and uh, <laughs> I I kind of designed it. Like I had this idea in my uh, head. It's named after me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> should have called it the Mindy. There would be no there'd be no doubt. Be, because you've seen Lone Wolf Custom Gear's mobile hunting pack, mm-hmm. and it's super small. 
And if you watch, I mean, kudos to them. It looks good, good design and stuff, but it's really small. And if you watch the videos, you know, what when Cody's trying to take stuff out of it, like he can't get shit out of it. It's it, like it's jammed in there so tight you can't get anything out. So I thought yeah. that's a great idea, but needs to be a bit bigger because you know I, I like to take a screw in bow holder, which when you fold when you fold it in half, it's like 12 inches, right? Mm-hmm. And uh the seat at the widest point is 13 and a half on a, a Lone Wolf, a Novix, or an XLP. So Richie made it, designed it. it. He's got some accessory pockets in there, you know, a divider in the middle. So you can have two parts, a zipper pocket in the front. It has all the PAL webbing on it for Molly attachments. And then, yeah, it looks it looks really neat. It looks like really, really compact, like perfectly proportioned. Um, yeah. You know, what the, what do you, what do you keep in it? What do you personally like like to keep in that? What would what would someone? So I just got it, but I mean, I put a bunch of stuff in it for my video on Instagram, and I had five cam buckles because I don't like going um, buckleless or like the am steel straps and stuff. Because to me, the extra little weight for the cam buckle doesn't really matter, and it's faster, right? Yeah, I'm I'm back to the cam buckle thing myself too. Yeah. yeah. You just put it on and it's done. You don't, yeah. you don't waste. You can, you can use the weight to swing it around the tree and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I, I like that. So I had five cameras in there and then, you know, my kill kit, uh, camera arm, bow holder, uh, hunting, my first aid kit, um, uh, a little folding, uh, silky saw, uh, flashlights headlights like i had everything in there and had it laid out in the video that i I did on my story and and richie actually messaged me he goes holy crap you got a lot of stuff in that and i said i still had room but but yeah i I gotta go back and watch that because i don't think i saw the part where you took all that stuff out i saw i saw you know you showing pictures of it but um well the story's probably gone if you got it somewhere else or whatever but yeah I, i think i'd like to see that better yeah there's you can fit a ton in there and and he he does a good job at building it. Like he does custom work, you know what I mean. So you can mm-hmm. do this. So he designed that one, and then he designed one called the Manny, which is smaller because I guess the point uh, five, uh, because you can you they can have smaller seats, right? Yeah. So he designed one to fit underneath the smaller seat, and then he actually designed a mobile tree stand pack, which it kind of straps to the bottom of your platform when you're packing in. And then when you get on your stand, it straps to the seat post hmm. when you're on stand. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so I'm going to take that up to bear camp and I'm going to field test it. And I mean, it's nice. It's got a handle on top. So if you don't want to, if you don't want it hanging under the seat because uh, the XOP has that little ear on the seat, you can yep. got a top handle. You can put it there. And then just so back. does it hang under the seat itself or does it attach to the seat post? It hangs under the seat. So okay, because I, I hacked the ever living crap out of my seat the other day because the uh, I find the uh, the the Novix slash uh, uh, you know original Lone Wolf seats to be like gigantic. I think they're way too big, and um, <laughs> I, I hacked the left side actually in the front too, um, just for like more limb clearance. Um, 
because because I, I don't go very far out on my on my stand so yeah. i might have to send you pictures of that <laughs> yeah it, yeah I, I saw that you were going to do that and i mean yeah. i've seen them before where people have done that to shave weight they've actually uh cut the front of the platform off it's not to shave weight i don't care about that it was more because it it, for, it it didn't feel comfortable sitting in such a huge seat first of all um and also when like i said when i had it up um sometimes the seat in some of the trees that i was like you know sitting in the, the seat is wider than the tree now i can't do anything about the tree as far as limb clearance but yeah. i can do something about the seat that overhangs the thing by like a few inches and um i don't want to have to worry about my limb tip like you know crashing into that thing you know what i mean so um i yeah i, I kind of hacked it up and i i like it looks terrible you know it looks really awkward shape now but um it it, it seems to work yeah, and you're shooting uh, an, an ASL now, eh? Well, I've got everything. I mean, I got the ASL, and I've got the the the, uh, the L cart, which is a 56 inch bow, ex exact same length as your as your uh, Tolkien. And uh, I've got the Grizzly, which is also that's a 58, but it measures like tip to tip the exact same as the 56 inch uh, uh, L cart. So um, I'm kind of doing, you know, what whatever. I'm not sure which if I'm taking just one or all or whatever, but um, you know, I'm I'm. You just have to adapt, I guess, with with whatever you're carrying, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, Jason and I are, are pretty good friends, and we text and talk a lot. And if he can shoot deer with a 64-inch ASL out of a tree stand, anyone could. Oh yeah, I mean he's yeah he's he's exceptionally good. You know, this one's 66, and honestly, I'm not finding um, I'm not finding a problem with with uh, clearance, you know, anywhere. I mean, I've been like stump shooting it with it on the ground and in brush and this and that. I mean, yeah, you got to watch it a little bit, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's not nearly as as much of an issue as as I thought it was going to be. And it's it's funny because your tastes change. Um, I was saying this uh, I think on a podcast that's yet to be released. Um, you know, just eight months ago, you know, I was like, hell no, I don't like any bow over like 58 inches, 60 inches max. Uh, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like, you know, whatever. And now uh, this bow is like, you know, it's still the honeymoon stage for me, but it's like the most fun and easy bow, bow to shoot that I have right now. So, you know, it all it all changes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and until you find something that you really like and settle with it, like I used to shoot 66 hills uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, up to 75, 80 pounds. And they, they were great. Oh, great. They gave me massive target panic, but uh, which I fought for 10 years. And what, one of the reasons I got out of uh, bow hunting was because I had it so bad. Yeah. All the, the only thing that stopped it was dropping bow weight. Really? Yeah. And now, you know, now I can pull back and I can hold as long as I want. I usually only hold like a second or two, but I could hold five or ten if I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> like like Mark off uh, Omnivore, Mark Harrison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that guy holds like what? Twenty. Yeah, he holds forever. Yeah. You know, I was wondering about the, the target panic when it, with because I don't shoot heavy, heavy. Like the heaviest bow I have is forty-five pounds, right? So um, a lot of guys will say that a heavier bow is easier to shoot cleanly because it because it just rips out of your fingers so cleanly um but also that since you're not holding it back for that long you don't have time your mind doesn't have time to sit there and think about it and like really twist itself into a pretzel you know what i mean um i i don't know i'm, I'm not saying one way or another i'm just i'm just saying it's interesting that you say that that you drop weight and you got rid of target panic whereas other guys will say they have less target panic with a heavier bow because it just goes off their you know they're not they don't have time 
to think about it and screw up a shot, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I bet you 50% or higher, maybe 75% of those guys do not hit anchor. So, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen I, them shoot. <laughs> so many videos of guys that, uh, you know, they put their videos up on YouTube and, uh, or on Instagram and they draw back and they're somewhere, you know, tip of their nose, past the tip of their nose, and they're, they're letting it rip. That, yeah. that right there is a surefire sign that you have target panic and you don't know it. Right. If, if, if you're letting it go out there, like now, I could, and it's Barry Wenzel said this too. He said he had target panic so bad that if somebody told him, you know, draw back and anchor your bow and aim at your mother, you know, and and then let down, he said, I, I'd shoot my mom, <laughs> right? So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, they they can't hold, they cannot hold, and they can. And for me. A heavy bow made it so that I was shooting too fast, and mm. it's basically a brain thing. So your brain's telling you it's not a bad thing; it's actually a good thing. Your brain is telling you, "Okay, you're on target." So let it. Why do you have to take it all the way back? Just let it go now. Exactly. Yep. It's just kind of a, a short circuit in your brain, and you just have to try and circumvent that. And for me, it was a lower bow weight, and when I draw, I shoot split. So my, my middle finger is in the corner of my mouth and, uh, my thumb knuckle is down in my jaw. So it, it, if I do those two things and it locks in, then I can hold for a couple seconds and I'm deadly. I can just plop them in. But if I, nice, yeah. if I hold too long, then yeah, it blows apart, right? Like it can never too long. I'll, you know, pluck like crazy and the arrow will like veer way out to the left. So, you know, opposite. Yeah. You're going to yeah. pluck right. The bow's going to go left. And that's why I'm jealous of blue shooting. So <laughs> while we're talking about. Uh, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a plucker. Yeah. She's not, a, she's not a plucker. <laughs> she's not a mother plucker either. I mean, she's just, uh, she, she's solid. So while we're, uh, we were talking about the tree stand, you wanted to, uh, to talk about, uh, me being an arborist and yeah. my very vociferous <laughs> opinions on a lot of stuff <laughs> that, that that I see right now yeah. on YouTube that just I mean, dude, it makes me cringe because somebody's somebody is going to get seriously hurt. Somebody's going to die. So what what are the things? What are the things you? Um, well, let's back up first of all. Um, yep. so you've been, ar you've been an arborist just, just so to kind of give some, uh, what's that word? Not provenance, right? Whatever the word is, um, credibility, whatever. How, how long have you been an ar arborist? How long have you been doing this professionally climbing way, way high? About 20 years. Okay. So you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. Okay. So what, what are, what are some of the, the things that, uh, like really pop out to you that, uh, set off alarm bells that you, you need to, uh, you know, scream about? Well, the biggest thing is ascent methods, right? Yeah. So you can see if you go on YouTube and put in their saddle ascent methods, mm -hmm. you're going to come up with 100, 200, I don't know, a thousand different videos. Yeah. And none of these guys that are teaching that are there are doing these videos have spent very much time in a tree. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they, they may play in their yard. They may do it for hunting, but they don't do it for a living and they they're not trained for it so the biggest thing that 
that scares me is, uh, you know, these guys are, are giving all this advice on what is good for a tree, what's a good ascent method, and what's a bad ascent method. So, uh, double rope technique, single rope technique, they're awesome for, for climbing and for, our, and for doing arboreal work. But in the daylight, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not meant to be done in the dark. So, I mean, these guys are going in in the dark or they're coming out of the tree in the dark. And, you know, I have access to every single method known to modern man to get up a tree. Every single yep. one. I have, I have all the equipment at home. I can do any any type of that method I want. What do I, what do I use? Mini sticks. And, and why do I, I use them? Because they're safe, they're efficient, they're quick. Right. You, you can put them up. Mice. I run an Alpine bod uh, saddle by Black Diamond. Now, I, I did modify it a bit. I put uh, Lyman loops on it. But uh, and I have uh, these little keepers that I, I make them myself. It's just paracord girth hitched on the uh, and I put a, a, a slide lock on it before I tie the knot on it. So mm -hmm. there is uh, paracord girth hitched around the, the loops on the alpine bod and then I put a slide lock on it and then I tie a stopper knot in the bottom so that slide lock can go up and down and all I do is I'll put my three sticks because I most times I run four mini sticks the first one you don't have to worry about because it's a ground level and then I'll, I'll put the other three on the saddle and I just open up the paracord uh, put it around one of the offset sides one of the offset I just tighten it with that slide lock and they stay on there. They don't fall off. They don't bang around. And then I go up the tree, right? With my linesman belt. Uh, now I don't put my linesman belt on until I'm on my first step. Right. Yep. So I, I get up there and, and then I go, I know a lot of people will say, put it on from ground level, but you don't really need it at ground level and getting to your first step. Once you're going up past that, then you should have it on. Like you're like so, six, seven feet up, let's say, or whatever, right? Yeah, 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 seven. Like I, I can, because I use Nader and I put that as high as I can get it. I'm yeah. not that tall either. I'm 5'8", and I can uh, I can get about seven and a half feet. The, the only reason I put mine on at ground level is just because I don't have to fiddle with it then standing on top. Let's say the tree's leaning a little bit and I can't, you know what I mean? And you try to climb on like the, the high side, of course. Right? You don't want to be leaning on, on the low side of the tree, but... Um, just it just makes it a little bit easier it's already there even if i have a ton of slack in it you know what i mean so it it's it's just already around the tree it's hooked up and i don't have to fiddle with trying to throw it around and 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 um you know get get connected while i'm standing standing on the stick it's just easier doing it on the ground but yeah. i see what you're saying i mean you're only like six feet up again everyone you know listening do whatever makes you know makes you feel safe obviously if you don't feel safe doing that you know connect, connect on the ground but and, um yeah. so you're using aiders you said then right after that yeah as well yeah I, I have three different length aiders so the first aider is like this i only use the three of them if i'm only using three sticks if i'm going to go four mini sticks i only use one right on the bottom mm -hmm. yeah um and the whole thing about not putting it on till I'm on my first step, that's totally a comfort level. Like I, yeah. I'm personally, I'm more comfortable being up high than uh, like technically, and I've done it before I've installed all of my sticks with uh, you know, without a linesman belt. 
just mm-hmm. because I, I'm comfortable up there and I use the cam strap and, you know, and I've done it only because I forgot it at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. More, than, more, more than once I've done it and I've got uh, out to where I'm hunting and I'll, I'll text Mindy and I'll say, crap, I forgot my freaking linesman belt. And she knows exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up anyway. And uh, what is what does your lineman belt uh, consist of uh, for for hunting? My what, what do you make it out of? So it's uh, eight millimeter uh, double braid, and then I have a six millimeter Prusik on there, but it's tied in a VT, so a Val, Valdonian uh, tresse. It's like an, an arborist climbing hitch. So, yeah, I, so you I, can move I, it easier than a Prusik, right? Yeah, so what I do is I put the, the VT on and then I have like a little mini carabiner that I clip on so it goes to the top of the uh, your carabiner that you clip to your linesman belt, right? So the carabiner goes through the two loops on the bottom of the VT and then it goes through a little mini carabiner. And then what happens is when I'm climbing, uh, it's, it's just basically a scaled down version of, of what I work with um so i can so why, why another mini mini carabiner i'm missing that point why not go directly right into the lineman loop no because what happens well the mini carabiner is is attached to uh the carabiner that you clip into your linesman belt with mm-hmm. so yep. so the vt the the actual hitch knot comes down and you put your carabiner through the the two eyes on that that you've yep. tied right and then I, but then I clip a little mini carabiner on the top of that carabiner around the eight millimeter rope and underneath the hitch. And then what that allows me to do is, oh, I can, it's a tender. So it's a tender. So I can, I can okay. underneath with my left hand because it's usually on my side. I put it, and I can just pull that underneath, like up and underneath, just like I do with my work one. It'll tend you. the, it'll tend the hitch up. And then obviously, you know, two fingers on the hitch to pull it, to lengthen it. And then you can, you can do that. It's just, it's basically just a, a smaller version of what I work with. Mm-hmm. And it's quiet. There's no rope man because yeah, the rope man's good. Everybody loves them, but anything mechanical can fail. Yeah. Sooner or later. I mean, they probably won't, but sooner or later, something could fail. It could get jammed. You might get mud in it. You could get bark in it. You could get like a leaf in there or something, and that will cause it to fail. So with a, a hitch, an actual textile to textile mm-hmm. uh, option, it'll never fail. Right. It'll it'll you you know, that little mini carabiner may break, but you're not going to fall out of the tree. Right, you're just going to lose your tender. You're not necessarily you're not losing your actual um, yeah. line lineman attachment to your lineman to your uh, yeah. lineman loop on your on your harness. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So then, when I uh, for for my actual tether, and I use it both for saddle hunting and for uh, for tree stand hunting. So for tree stand hunting, because I'm wearing the alpine bod, I put my tether about chest high, like mm-hmm. stern to chest high. Yeah. Then. Uh, you know, that allows me, if need be, I can turn around, stand on the outside edge of my platform, and I can shoot behind the tree, right, both yep. sides. Um, just because I found that trying saddle hunting and doing that, to be able to shoot your weak side in a saddle, you have to do a lot of movement. <laughs> to be able yeah, to- uh, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. 100% yeah, agree. Yeah. So, I mean, if that deer is close and you're you know you got to turn around as you know you got to face out where you're going you mm-hmm. got to get 
underneath your tether, tether have it uh, you know tight to your chest, and then shoot your weak side. That's an awful lot of movement. So for me, I like a tree stand better with a rock harness because then you know I I can shoot normally the the 180 degrees from facing out. Yep. But then if I have to turn around and face and shoot behind me, I can just move out on my platform further, you know, lengthen my tether a bit, and then I can I can shoot. So when you're and shooting it, with a saddle, are you on? Are you still on your like vanish, or are you on like on a stick, or are you on like a smaller have, platform? I have one of those ones you had. I think you did a video on it, the outdoor artisan one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, so I have. Uh, four lone wolf mini sticks while they were full length i cut them off and uh the top one has the outdoor artisan platform because for me a saddle hunt is going to be fast it's going to be like an hour two hour max hunt mm-hmm. yeah because it's not comfortable comfortable for me to uh, i can't to i can't get a hold of that guy i want to buy another one for my beast stick you know because i mean i can stand on my like beast stick you know at the top but I can't get a hold of, of, uh, artisan outdoor, you know, I've, I've messaged him and this and that. Cause I, I want to, you know, it's a, I, I'm okay. I like that platform. I've tried other ones. I've found that I don't necessarily gain anything with the bigger, more fancier platform with wings, this, that, and the other. I've, I'm resigned myself to, I have the shots I have and whether it's a, you know, that platform or something fancier. Right. So I, I, I want that and I can't get a hold of the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know I sent, uh, I sent the link to a friend of mine because I told him, I, he asked me which one it was. And I said, this one, and I said, I love it because I, like I said, I have big feet so I can uh, get on that platform, put them on either side of the tree and I'm good. And, yeah. uh, and he, uh, he said the same thing. He messaged me back and he said, yeah, I said, I, he said, I sent an email like a month ago or two months ago and he hasn't got back to me. Yeah, I've but, called twice and I've uh, messaged on the on the you know Facebook thing and, and on his website and all that stuff. But anyway, so you so you're on a bit you're on a bit of a platform. So when you're when you're in saddle mode, let's say, I mean, you, you obviously you're you're under tension. And then when you turn around, let's say, if you're using that same harness on um, uh, on, on a tree stand, you've got obviously some slack in it, right? So you're still tied in at the front, or is there like a rear tie-in point? Like you yeah, would with like a like an actual like a tree tree stand harness, you know, typically you know, with the you know. I'm, I still I still tie in from the front. Now I don't use the Alpine bod for saddle hunting. Like I built an actual, I had a I had a saddle like a commercial made tree saddle, but I didn't like it because it pinched me. Yeah. So I made one out of sit drag. Okay. Uh, being an arborist, I knew exactly what I wanted, and uh, so so I I built one. It's super small. I can roll it up and and stick it in my friggin' uh, cargo pocket of my pants. Yeah, but uh, if if I don't have the the uh, dump pouches on it, but yeah, I I like I like the small platform. I like hunting out of a tree stand more. And like I said, I have every method available to go up a tree, and I've seen. See, that's one of the things that bugs me. I've seen so many guys doing these videos of DRT or SRT to go up a tree and then rappel down, and that's all fine. But the thing is, if you're going to go in and you, it's not a preset and you have to throw that throw bag up and down mm-hmm. yeah. to try to get it over the crotch so that you can get up there, 
that's you know you're throwing it up then you got to walk over and get it if you don't i mean how the hell do you know if the limb isn't is is safe to throw it over first of all i I never understood that like i mean how many times i mean i've climbed enough trees just just climbing or whatever in my in my day whether hunting or not that you know you 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 put weight on or you pull down on like some limb and like crack you're like oh i didn't expect that to crack that easy you know i mean how do you how do you know it's safe Uh, because you once you throw it over there you you're committed you know yeah, and, and you don't. And I mean, I do to a certain degree because I do it for a living. So I know the right limb attachment. Sure. If, 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 if you make your fingers into the Richard Nixon peace sign, <laughs> that, yeah. that limb configuration is bad. Okay. So that could have bark inclusion in there and it's a weak attachment that can tear away. So mm-hmm. if, if you open your fingers into a huge peace sign, you see that U down in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good limb attachment, right? Really? Okay. Yeah. So if, if it's tight, you don't want to go up there. And I'll, I will try when I'm working to avoid doing that if I can. Although it's not always possible. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have to go up. But when I get up there, I'll move it. But but these guys, you know, they're going in there, throwing the the throw bag over. They're missing 25 times. You're trying to do it in the dark. If it's not a preset with a headlight, like come on, give me a break. You're just like making a ton of noise, walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And then, then you get up there and that's fine. I mean, maybe you can get up there quiet with uh, with my SRT T ascent system. Yeah. I, I can go up pretty quiet and I can go up fast, but the stuff that these guys are using uh, for saddle hunting, it's not that quiet and it's not that fast. Yeah. And if you have to go past the lamb or if you come to like a, a crotch where there's a V and you have to try and get through that, that that could create a problem, right? Uh, because yeah. a lot of, a lot of people are not comfortable with putting their their foot into the V or flexible enough to get their foot into the V of that crotch, push them push themselves far enough away from the tree that they can get through that crotch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue. And then, you know, they get up there and everything's good. They tie their, uh, you know, they 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 get their uh, their tether set. And I see this for, I know you love it, one sticking, but I, I'm not a fan of one sticking myself. But uh, only because there's things that can happen. If you drop your stick or, or you lose control of the stick or, or it drops below where you can't get it, you're, yeah, and you're tethered to the tree, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, <laughs> you're, you're in a big world of hurt. How are you going to get down and get that stick? And yes. Then, yeah, go they ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, I, I want I want to go back to that. Go ahead. Yeah, so that can happen, and a lot of guys will tether it to themselves, which is smart, but not everybody does that. And then when you're coming down in the dark, as you know, and and I do it when I climb a uh, uh, single rope sometimes too. If you're if you're going to girth hitch or canopy tie is what we call it, then you'll have like a, a tender line that you'll put into the loop. So it's a running bowling. And when you get down to the ground, you can pull that and it's going to come sliding down the trunk. Now, in 20 years of doing that and probably 10 years of climbing strictly SRT and trying that method, that line has got snagged up at least 25 times. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're in the dark and, you know, you're, you're at the base of your tree and you're trying to get your system back. Yeah. And it snags up. Basically, you're screwed. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're climbing back up. I know it happened a couple of times uh, when I was messing around with it last year. Um, 
So, okay, so let, let me run through real quick what, what I do as far as uh, the couple systems I have. And I want, I want you to kind of pick it apart, right? Yeah. Um, the, the first one, of course, is just sticks, right? Um, I'm, I think I'm going to, when I'm in tree stand mode, I'm going to run two sticks, the full length Hawk Heliums, and they got, they got aiders on them. Yeah. Uh, both of them have two step aiders. I'm comfortable with aiders. And I'd rather have an aider and not if I if I feel sketched out for some reason in a certain tree, let's say it's slippery or it's um, I just don't like the way uh, I'm happen to, having to be leaning or the trees leaning or whatever for whatever reason, I don't have to use the aider, right? And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to go as high. But I'd rather have the aiders than not have it. I feel okay, um, you know, I'm using the cam strap, obviously nice and tight, not sagging too much or whatever. So I'm good with the climb. Um, of course I'm using, I'm using eight millimeter Oplux with a, with a rope man one for my, uh, for my alignment belt. Yeah. So when I'm up there, uh, my tether is going to be another eight millimeter, um, Oplux line with, uh, and I tie a figure eight on a bite. That's my loop, you know, that it goes around the girth for the girth hitch. Yeah. And then I'm using a, um, six millimeter, um, or no, was it was a five, five and a half or six, I can't remember. Um, Oh, what's the, what's the company that makes the, um, uh, Prusik line, um, crap. Why can't, why can't I think of it? But I mean, it's also rated for like 22 kilonewtons or something like that. That's like super strong, right? It's meant for, for that. that that's the right size ratio, eight, eight and six. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, I don't know why the hell I can't think of it. I'll have to look it up while we're talking here, but, um, so that's what I use. And then I clip in obviously with, with a carabiner, um, when I'm when I'm saddle hunting, of course it's clipped. I I actually run two bridges. I tied in another bridge because I like backup. Um, yeah. And I'll have whatever. So my lineman belt and my uh, my my tether, whatever. They're they're the same. One is actually shorter. If I'm going to rappel down, um, it's just a longer version of that, right? But I'm actually hanging off of two. Um, completely out of spec. But I would never hang off of a rope man one just by itself. But I do make kind of like minor minor movements, and I like it better than that Kong duck ascender or whatever. But yeah. I I personally don't mind. For for me, nobody don't 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 do you know everybody listening don't do as I say you know don't do as I do whatever. But I'm okay hanging off of of the rope man with the eight millimeter completely out of spec only because I actually have a second tether already hooked up with 100%, like you said, uh, what did you say, textile to textile, like rope to rope, yeah, right, completely. Yeah, I would so never, hard. ever, ever in a million years trust a rope man one to hang, even if it was the 11 millimeter rope um, that became so popular with, you know, like the tethered kits and all that stuff. I would personally, I don't trust anything mechanical at all, right? Um, so that's 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 what I would use to hang with, and then of course the rope man was to make minor adjustments, and because you, you can yank, you know, pull it and pull up on that rope and kind of suck yourself up a little bit then that unloads your second tether which or, you know your prusik on your second tether and you can slide that up to take up the slack and now you're you're back to uh tension on you know on both things so that's that's kind of what i do and then um you know i like the whole repelling repelling down thing uh i tried that uh mad rock safeguard yeah um i tried it one time and it's too uh, slip and grip for me, too herky-jerky. It wasn't smooth. I couldn't operate that leather smoothly to not like you know, slip stop and slip stop and slip stop. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Um, when I'm already up there, I'm, I'm, you know, while I'm still tied in with my second tether, uh, which again goes to a second bridge, you know, um, then I can, I can reconfigure that tether line, my rappel line, um, 
to I'll take that rope end off, obviously, and I've got a um, I can tie a Munter hitch, yeah, um, with an auto block backup that's already on the line. Okay, and I'll clip that in, and I find that really smooth to repel with, um, and it stops me just fine. I let go, it stops. Um, I feel I would never do it without a backup without auto block because I think if it gets out of your hand, you're going straight down. Um, so that's that's kind of my system for going up and coming down. Now, now getting my tree, my, getting my tether out of the tree. Um, I tried paracord last year. Paracord sucks. Um, I personally hate paracord for. I don't. People like are crazy for paracord. I don't really see the uh, for for little tiny things here and there. That's fine. But I mean, I know as an outdoorsman, you're supposed to love paracord and live by paracord. I don't get it. That shit's slippery. Um, it stretches like crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it. So I bought this um, Dynaglide, right? It's like really skinny, uh, doesn't stretch. And yeah. I practiced a couple times this year, and I was able to get my my rope down just fine because it doesn't have that stress, and you can stretch, and you can kind of like snap it, um, and and you, and you pull that girth hitch loose, you know, at the, at the top at the top there, and and, and your rope comes down. So Dynaglide yeah. is actually uh, it's the throw line. For uh, for an arborist, right? So oh, it is okay. When you're throwing your uh, your throw line up in the tree to get over a crotch, and bait drops down, and you yep. tie your your climbing rope up to the other side and pull it back over. Dyna yep. glide is actually a uh, uh, throw line, so you can get two millimeter and seven five. And I, I don't know what size this is, but I mean it's 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 really compact. It's actually a longer length of it is more compact than the paracord I was using. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't have stretch, so I'm gonna try it this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know a few more because I mean, you know, trying going up and down one tree that you can kind of practice on is one thing. But if you have like bark that's like really thick peeling bark where like ropes can get jammed into the, um, uh, you know, peeling bark, you know, and wedged in yeah. there and this and that. I mean, you don't know till you actually know. So you got to spend some time with it. But I'm gonna do that. Um, for the one stick. So my one stick thing, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable one sticking. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, you know, I'm doing it with, uh, again, just my, uh, my shorter tether. Okay. So this would be like a seven foot rope or whatever. Um, and it's just on a Prusik, right? Again, I'm not using anything mechanical and I don't tie cause I already got enough stuff dangling. I don't tie the stick to me, but, um, when, <sighs> Like I'm, I'm always a backup kind of guy, right? Mm. So my thought is just like you said, what if you drop that damn stick? What are you going to do, right? So my, I always go up with my backpack too. My backpack's always on my back and it has, you know, whatever I need in there. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, I always have a contingency of some sort. So I either have a screw in tree step, um, which you're going to need to screw in, stand on, take the weight off of the tether that you're hanging on, lower it. And then, you know, kind of sit back down. I mean, you're going to inchworm your way down. It may take you a bunch of time, but you're going to be able to get back down. Um, the other the other option would be to, you know, take out your other longer tether that you could repel with, right? Yeah. Or your other tether that you can tie like a foot loop in, like a, like a, you do a little bowling knot or something like that and put a foot in. And, and you got to know how to do these knots. That's the thing. You got to practice this stuff. Um and be comfortable doing it while you're hanging there and not panic and stuff like that. And then you can use that as a footstep, you know, to like stand up, take your, take the pressure off of the one you're, you're hanging it on, lower that one down, sit back down, you know, move, move that, move your, your foot 
loop one back, you know, lower a little bit, stand on it, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, but but I think I think you need options. Like I think if you just do the one sticking thing, without a way of of like getting back down. Like if you think you're going to unweight your tether and tie some sort of you know uh, like a repelling like a like a munter or whatever like that, you're out of your mind. You yeah. know, there, you're, you're not you're not tying any. I mean, look how much slack, you know how much slack it takes to to tie one of those knots and things like that. So if you're just hanging off of that thing, you need a way to a take the weight off of what you're hanging with and b. Uh, either you know move what you're hanging with you know down after that, or um, have another rope that you can you know tie up and you know get a munter hitch going, or get some sort of if you have like a figure eight uh, descender or like a, a ATC device or whatever something like that. But you still need a way to take the weight off of the one you're hanging. Otherwise, the second rope does you no good. You know you got to think about these things, and I don't think people put a lot of thought into this, but I do. I obsess about that shit. Yeah, so I, I think that anybody who's doing one stick, the biggest, simplest thing they can do, and it costs almost no money, is get some uh, tubular webbing. And you, there's a knot called a beer knot, and you look it up online. It's super easy to, uh, to do. And make yourself a sling that will be big enough to go around any tree that you're going to climb, right? Mm-hmm. So what you can do is it'll roll up small and you put it in your pack. You can put it around the tree in a situation like you were just saying, girthage it on there. And then, you know, you can put it up high enough or down low enough wherever you need that loop to be. Because remember, it's a loop, right? So you've tied a beer knot on this. So it's going to be like a long, it's it's all one one unit. It's completely, mm-hmm. completely joined. So you put that around the tree, girthage it. Let it hang down, and that will give you a place, no matter where you are in the tree, that if you have to get out, you can stand up in there, put your foot foot into it, stand up, take the weight off, and then figure out what you're going to do after that. But tubular webbing, it's one-inch tubular uh, webbing. You can buy it anywhere, REI, up here, Mountain Equipment Co-op. Any place that sells climbing gear, you can buy tubular webbing. And then you, you tie a beer knot. And the beer knot is actually stronger than the webbing itself once it's tied. And I mean, it's simple things like that. But the, when you watch a lot of these YouTube videos of these, uh, you know, YouTube influ- influencers and uh, saddle hunting and ascent heroes that they don't say this stuff. Right. And they, no, they give yeah. you a way up and they give you a way down, but they don't give you a contingency plan. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's, it's, that, it's, you know, that's what scares me the most is seeing that stuff. And for, for me personally, I like mini sticks or like Jason likes th- three uh, full length sticks and then a cam strap. For me, yep. that's like I said, I have every method possible to go up a tree and I don't walk in far enough that, you know, an extra two or three sticks is going to be huge, a huge deal. And if I, if I can't pack those in, well, maybe I shouldn't be in the woods. Right. So, I mean, if, if guys want to take one stick and they, most people, I'm not saying you, but most people who are doing the one sticking, they're doing it because it's new, because it's cool, gives them a chance to play with ropes and, uh, you know, try and do all this stuff. And, and that's fine, but you better have a way to get out if you, if you get stuck. And hundred percent agree with you. Yep. Yeah. A, a tubular webbing sling, a web sling is the smallest, 
easiest thing you can build. Probably cost five bucks to make one and have it in your pack. You know, have I've, it, I've got something like that that um, I'll send you a picture of too here, maybe maybe tonight or whatever. But um, I don't know where I got it. I don't know how I got it, but it's it's one of the it's it's something like that. But um, it's uh, it, it's kind of it's got like two. It's a, it's a long tubular webbing webbing sling. It's like like orange and black or whatever it is, and it's got you know eyes on both end, right? So on one end you can you know obviously throw it around a tree, girth it, whatever, and on the other end. Uh, is where your foot would go, but um, it's not. Um, uh, let's see, like the, the where the eye, like you would have to open the eye by hand and like slip it over your over your foot. You know, it's not already pre-opened. Um, mm. And I, I was just wondering the other day again because I, I obsess about this stuff because I'm like. I, I can't get stuck in a tree. I, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know how people are like, you think, Oh, I'll figure it out. Well, I think when you're hanging there, um, you, you tend to kind of panic. Uh, you tend to rush things. You tend to do stupid stuff and, and people don't behave and, and act in, in a, uh, like, like, like a clear, they don't, they don't have a clear plan of action and, and, and do things as, uh, you know, properly and easily as they think they're going to do. Um, yeah. so, and and I like to think that I, like I'm okay in under like stressful situations, but you never know. So anyway, so I'm like, well, could I get this thing over my foot and figure it out? You know, if I'm trying to lean down and hang sideways and you know put it over my you know size 11 like uh, you know lacrosse boots and this and that. It's like, uh, so I'll, I'll send you a picture of it and then I'll I'll, um, I'll maybe if you can send me a picture of, of kind of like what you what you're talking about with this bare knot and stuff. Because um, right. it's because it's, it's the same thing we're, we're saying, like, you know, as I was like I said, I was thinking if you don't want to do that, like if you had this other tether with you, as long as you have uh, the length. Right. Because people underestimate how long it takes to act, how much like lineal footage it actually takes to make a knot. So if you were to make like a foot loop with, like I said, a bowl in or something like that, big enough to get a boot, boot through, um, make sure, you you know, you, you can do that and still get around like a decent sized tree because you might run out of rope if you don't have something that long. Yeah, that, that's why uh, with the, the, the slings I'm thinking of that I have in the garage that I, I would use under that that situation when it's the loop it's probably if i'm standing up it's probably five feet tall you, you know what i mean and uh it you you yeah, I, girth it around the tree and then you have that loop hanging down that you're going to put your foot in and it it's it's a simple knot it's just simple safety and the thing that like there's so many people saying what is great for uh, for, uh tree stand access or saddle access and descent and every single one of them are correct and every single one of them are wrong in some way so oh, you yep. just have to you just have to weed and pick through it and a suggestion i always tell when people are are learning something and, and i do it myself when i'm learning like a new technique or something low and slow always low and slow never ever try anything when you're in a tree or at height Always do it at ground level. So, you know, whether you're testing a hitch, whether you're testing, you know, uh, a new climbing system, like for me, it's a single rope access or double rope, you know, trying out new hitches and stuff. You never try yeah. them. In Always mm -hmm. do them on the ground. And then when you're going to practice them, just do them low and slow. Because, like I said, I, I have 
any way to get up that I want. And for me personally, I just think that uh, my system, I think mini sticks with cams, cam buckles and a tree stand is, is fast. And my saddle system is exactly the same, except that top stick has that art, outdoor artisan platform on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, when I strap that top stick on, I'm at hunting height, right? So yeah. I just, uh, I just, I'm on my lanyard anyway. So I just like, as you know, step up on it and then install my tether, stow away my, my lanyard and pull my stuff. I'm not really the type of guy, though, that uh, leaves everything on the ground and then pulls it up when I'm in there. I will go up, uh, set my I'll have my pack with me and I'll set, uh, you know, um because when I'm going to lower my, a lot of places I hunt, it's like rocky, like some of the spots where mm-hmm. we go, it's a lot of rock. So I'll, I'll go, to, go up, set my stuff, get my bow holder in there, and then I'll tie my pull-up rope to the end of my bow holder and I'll lower it down and I'll kind of eyeball it to, to get it where I think that my bow will hang off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then I'll climb back down, I'll clip my bow on, climb back up, and then I pull it up. You know what I mean? Like it's only one more trip down the tree for me and that's not a huge deal. Now, obviously if you're one sticking, you're not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, my, my, my backpack stays on, on my back and then I'll, I'll, I'll pull because I try not to pull stuff up except, I mean, even with just your bow, like I have a a tendency for some reason to always tangle, you know, the thing up with like twigs and branches and stuff near from nearby trees or brush or hooked on the steps of my sticks you know what i mean so the, the less stuff hanging off of that you know the the easier it is to, to manipulate so I'll, I'll have my backpack on my back and then uh the uh, the pull-up rope just just hooked on to uh you know the string of my bow yeah yeah and it's just i mean i think that it's good that there's so many different systems that people are using and there's a lot of information i think you just have to weed through it pick through some good stuff try and uh <clears throat> Try, you know, like in a lot of times in the uh, the information, when you click down on YouTube, people will say, you know, yeah, I've been doing this for so long, or maybe they are a professional arborist or something. Or if yep. you know somebody is a professional arborist, be, Jason is always, always texting me whenever he's going to try something and asking me, you know, how do I do this? We were in Walmart a couple weeks ago, and he was getting ready to make a new video, and he said, okay, I need to go over the knot scan with you, and uh, <clears throat> and and talk about it and another knot that before we uh we switch into mindy's uh, uh string and arrow thing is another knot that's really good that every bow hunter should learn is an alpine butterfly okay because an alpine butterfly is a life support knot that can be tied anywhere in the line right Any, mm-hmm. anywhere anywhere along the line and you can make as big a loop as you want so if you're in a in a situation like I said, where, like you said, where you're you know you're hung up on there, but you have all this tail hanging below you, mm-hmm. then you can just pull up that. You can tie an alpine butterfly in there, make the loop big, drop it back down. You can stand in that loop. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So an alpine butterfly, <clears throat> basically, if you're right-handed. Uh, I'll send you a video tomorrow showing you because I taught Jason how to tie it too. If you're right-handed, you just you know get some rope underneath uh, where where you're tied in, you're hanging, you have all that slack hanging down. Take one wrap, two wraps, three wraps around your left hand, and then you put it 
you'll loop it through or back around the first loop that you made, pull it up through the second one. Then you pull your hand out and you tighten it and you have a loop. So you make that loop as big as you want. And it's life support going up or going down either way, right? Yeah, he yeah. actually, uh, he's got that video out actually. So check out, you know, Traditional Bowling Wilderness Podcast, uh, one of his latest ones where he's he's going through the bowling, the running bowling. And uh, do you say bowling or bowline? I always heard of, I heard both ways. But, yeah. it, it's it, technically they call it the running bowling. Bowling, yeah. And uh, the alpine, um, alpine butterflies. So, and yeah. I was asking him too, because I, I didn't quite get it in that video. I said, so what do you, because he, he showed how to tie it. And I said, what are you actually using the alpine butterfly for? I've never actually had a use for it um, uh, for, you know, for, for anything really. But now that you, you mentioned that, um, so that's basically to take the weight off, but, but, you, but you're still on your same line. If you're hanging from that tether, let's say, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Can, so, you can make yourself a foot loop, but yeah. you're still hanging from that same line unless you make that in, foot loop in another line and, and use that as a, you know. Or if you're, uh, because you know how a lot of guys will use uh, like one rope, like, and it's still on the ground, like they have it all underneath them and then they're going up on that rope, that mm-hmm. rope on their tether and then they'll come down on that rope mm-hmm. so you can uh or even if you have enough length in your tether hanging underneath you you can yeah. talk about my butterfly uh put your foot in there the push hang on to the tree lift up enough so that you can loosen stuff and move it and so it, it's it's just it's it's just a, a midline knot that you can tie anywhere along a rope and it's life support wherever you yeah. tie it, right? So wh- whether it's pulling down or pulling up, it's still life support. And you can wave it on and then still untie it easily. You, you broke up there, you said. So you, you can you can wait what? You, you can wait it as much as you want, like mm-hmm. as heavy as you possibly could. Yeah. And then when, when you unweight it, it's super easy to untie. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, folks, like, 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 like you're saying, if you're going to go up the tree I mean, you've got to have a method of getting back down, um, it's to, to me, it's, it's, it's not, it's not up for debate, you know, um, you, you can't, I mean, what are you going to do when you're hanging there, you know, and you have no other, you're going to, you're going to try and bear hug the tree and shimmy down, um, you know, good luck with like a slick tree or a bigger tree or, or whatever. I mean, how the hell are you going to do that? I, I, people, I don't think people really uh, plan for a, a worst case scenario. Um, and like I said, I'm 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 of like the you know the, the two one is none, two is one. You know, three is even better kind of mentality. So yeah, yeah, yeah. How how are you going to bear hug up the tree too to get your tether loosened? So to get ex- exactly to take the weight off. Yeah. So. Carrying a web sling with you that you can girth hitch around the tree, stick your boot in, and take weight off. That's key. It's small. Yep. It'll, roll up, it'll roll up into a little ball that'll fit in your hand. Throw it in your pack. I mean, it, it, it's going to weigh like a quarter of a pound maybe, but yep. it's worth it. Yeah, I, I've, I've been advocating for like carrying like a, like a screw-in step, right? Um, just, just even though it's not legal on public land, if it's an emergency, I'm going to use it. But then I got to thinking like, okay, well, I mean, I've, you know, bef- like way long ago, right? I mean, I've screwed enough um, uh, screw in steps into like, like try to, into like frozen trees, you know, in the middle of December, late whatever. 
Oh, with frozen hands, I mean, then what? You drop that thing, it's it, it, they're already hard to like kind of get started and screw in properly, and you got to do that several times going down and screw it and unscrew it, screw it and unscrew it. So um, you're right. I'm 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 kind of shifted into like okay, I need I need like a something quick girth hitch with a foot loop. You know that will that will be a whole lot quicker um, and not and, and less fiddly. And you know not again weight weight doesn't matter all that much, but it's lighter. Yeah, and yeah. and another another thing that uh, I'll, I'll talk about quick before you get Lou back on here is uh, <clears throat> your lanyard. It's uh, you can you can do what's called a DED, a double end lanyard, and um, so you know you have your rope man on one side, your carabiner on the other, and the rope man's attached to a carabiner, right? And you clip that around mm-hmm. the tree. Well, if you do yep. a prusik mid line on your lanyard with a carabiner in it. Yep. Right. Then what? When you come to a limb, you can take on. You can take the uh, the middle one, the one that's movable on a prusik. Mm-hmm. You can put that over the limb, bring it down, clip it into your linesman loop, undo your main one. Yep. Right. And it still be tied in, and then go past the branch, clip your main one back in, and then clip the other one. It's the it's trick that Arborists, we, we use it all the time, right? So instead of getting a second lineman belt out, yeah, you've, yeah. Got, you've got two sets of, let's say, like, you know, rope man, whatever, six or carabiners or whatever, and you're throwing the, 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 the tag end below or above or whatever that limb and, and then disconnecting the first one. So it, you're kind yeah. of, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a trick that we've used for like 50 years, and it's something that it, it takes up no space. It's your your linesman uh, belt, your line, your, we call it a lanyard, but it's on okay. your, your lanyard anyway, right? So I mean, okay, you, you, if you're not using it, you can keep it pushed down to uh, the non-working end where you just clip it on, onto your linesman loop. Yeah, but. It's there if you need it, right? So if you have to advance past a li- past a limb, you're never unattached. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that that's a little, yeah, that's a little trick. And it's just a prusik and a carabiner tied midline on your lanyard, and there you go. That's that's a neat trick. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. Like I said, for for the my, my tether, my long like kind of rappel tether. Uh, the way I've set it up is it's got um, that one has the rope bend one on it, right, for that quick adjustment. But again, only after I'm tied in with my other like fully ropes only, you know, backup tether, right? Um, and uh, it also has a. It, by the way, it's it's sterling, uh, uh, not sterling. God, I just had it. Oh, Beal. It's a, it's Beal Cordelette, by the way, 5.5 millimeter. Yeah. So um, I have that tied in as an auto block already with a carabiner ready to go somewhere midway down my 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 tether line somewhere where it's not going to bang into uh uh sticks or or anything like that right so then i already have it on there i don't have to futz with um because last year i was like untying my uh uh what i one of the one of the ropes i was hanging from i was untying the prusik um because i was using like a hanging off of two prusiks and prusiks i mean once they jam up like they're they're tight right it's hard to move them so i was untying one of the prusiks yeah unless you have a tender you're not breaking that even with a tender like i find that when i and i've tried the tender thing with with prusiks if you weight that thing enough i you need to like take weight off of it and kind of like you know break it back and forth to kind of loosen it up and move it right um but instead of having 
to take apart that Prusik and retie it as an auto block down by your side. I already have it pre-tied, ready to go, another carabiner, um, and it's just it's just already on the line. So it's it's one less thing I have to all I all I have to do to descend to repel is to take off the. Um, uh, the, the rope man one stick it in my pocket or whatever. And then with that carabiner tie a munter hitch and I'm ready to go. And then I can disconnect my secondary tether once I've waited the, the descent line and you know, good, good, good to go. So, um, so yeah, practice, practice, practice folks. I mean, I can't, I can't stress that enough. And I think you are, you and I are on the same page. Like it's okay to do these things, but you need a backup plan and you need, you need like a self rescue plan. You can't, you can't just assume, uh, Oh, I'll figure a way out. You know, you can figure a way out or you can figure a way out by, by scraping the shit out of your face because you slid down a tree. So yeah. take your take your pick. You know what I mean? No. So no, um, no, nobody thinks clear when they're uh, when something fails. Right. Yeah, of to. course, especially when you're cold, you yep. know, at, at night in the rain. I mean, it's I mean, put yourself in you, you are not going to rise up to the occasion. OK, you need to, um, you know, I, I, I listen to Andy Stumpf all the time. Right. You know, clear it hot. I mean, he and he always he talks about like uh, fighting or jujitsu or this, that or whatever. But, um, you know, everyone thinks they're going to rise to the occasion. But the reality is you fall to the level of your training. And that's that's just the, that's just the reality. Yeah. And the thing is, you do it, like you said, inclement weather, mostly in the dark. So that, uh, yep. that's the problem. And darkness freaks people out. So yeah, any uh, I think I'll I'll get Lou on here because yeah yeah let's go back to her. A lot of people probably don't know, but my wife uh, builds probably. I'm biased, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say it from my own opinion, but from the hundreds and hundreds of people that uh, that shoot her strings, she builds probably the best or on par with the best strings in North America. Um, the uh, Wilderness Locals, uh, Waste Dog, he continually says that her strings are the best he's ever tried, and he's tried a lot. Um, but anyways, I'll let but you... Yeah, let's, uh, let's, hear, let's hear about it. I'll let, let you ask her some questions, and she can hop in. Yeah, so um, I built a 14-strand D97. Um, I do have B55 as well, but um, D97 is kind of my staple um got all the colors it's a flemish flemish twist that i that i make um yeah how, how'd, you, how'd you get into that um what what i mean are you uh uh i don't know are you kind of like a creative like 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 craftswoman you know in in general kind of thing and then you just kind of you know f found this kind of outlet as well or not necessarily um the the place carry was getting strings from um I, I think he was having a hard time getting them or they closed down or something like that so um he was needing a string for his bow and he was like you know I think you could you could build it so I ordered um a couple things of material and started doing it and then um it kind of just you know I always wanted to quit my job and find something you know, a little bit more satisfying for me. And, um, so I just, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this could work out. And so I, I, I learned how to build them and, um, and that's kind of it. Um, and then I expanded now to wood arrows. And so I'm, I'm, I'm building up, you know, building up as much as I can. 
So are you um, are you able to then let's say so if someone wants a string, right? Um, are you able to just say, OK, what's what's the length or or you know, that they specifically order or can you can they say, hey, I shoot this bow. Um, it's this model and, uh, you know, you know, build me something right. And then at that point, are you going to be like, OK, well, this bow uh, takes this length of string and it's got X many strands and uh, what else do they need to tell you? Like do they, what kind of knock they're shooting and stuff like that? So then do yeah. you do, so you can do the, uh, the serving for for proper knock fit or how does that work? Yeah. So basically I just need to know like your your AMO um, and then, you know, AMO, obviously bow types, so whether it's a recurve or a long bow. Um, and even if it's a if it's a yeah, if it's a Tolki, they've got even tips um so your your bow type is i need to know um give me the string length that i need um and um then i ask what kind of silencers you want so i have dyneema puffs and cat whiskers um and yeah what knocks you're using so i can match the the serving i've got a whole bunch of different knocks here so i um, I test them all out, make sure that they fit. And, right. Yep. Yeah. Tie on knocks, certainly. And yeah, I tie on the knocks as well if if you want them. So I do either single or double. Some people don't want them. Some people like the brass knocks, so I don't put anything on. Um, right. Yeah. You know, some people like to tie on their own knocks, so I just I put the material in the bag and and you can tie your own. Cool. And in and in uh, arrows. So you're getting into wood, making wood arrows. Yeah, I've got, um, uh, I order, uh, right now I've got a um, bunch of stock from Tr True Shaft Archery, um, so they're premium sick of spruce. So um, I can, from that, like, I, I can figure out your arrow length by your, your draw weight, um, or, yeah, sorry, draw length, um, and then, you know, what your bow weight is, I can, you know, figure out what spine and stuff that you need and uh and in your point weight and stuff like that um but yeah so i can some people know exactly what they want and some people don't so we can you know you can just send me a message we can figure it out figure out what you need um and do you and do then, like the dipping and cresting and and fletching and all, and all that stuff i'm pretty much like ready to go or yep i can do as much or as little as you want um so if you like to put your own um fletching on i can I can just, you know, paint them up for you and, and send them and, and, and you can fletch them yourself or, you know, I can, I can do whatever. Um, so how does, um, uh, I, I remember I asked, uh, uh, Blaine Prowse this, right? Stump stalker, right? On Instagram. Yeah. Um, cause he does the same thing. So how does, how does, how does like shipping and stuff like affect pricing for you guys? I mean, are you, are you able to be pretty competitive, with something like you know if someone orders something from the u.s for example um i mean how much extra would that would, would something like that cost you know with, with shipping and, and and you know any taxes or whatever so all of my shipping all of my shipping on my arrows are free um oh. so yeah um i've i've just kind of bundled it in i i know for the most i've shipped um arrows within canada and the u.s so i kind of know generally the cost so i've kind of just you know bundled it in um so i don't charge any 
separate shipping price. So the price that we, you know, figure out for what you want. Um, my my price range goes from about 110 to like 210, depending on what you're looking for. Um, you know, if you don't want points included, obviously I don't, you know, charge for that. If you don't want sure. you know, fletch, fletch it, then, you know, it's a little bit cheaper. If you don't want crown dip and you just want some simple, simple crusting, um, you know, so I work out what you want um, and give you a price and whatever that is that shipping is included. And this is like uh, for a uh, half dozen, right? For a dozen. Oh, for a dozen. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, uh, man, you got you, you didn't have to tell me that because now, <laughs> like, because I went down the aluminum, you know, rabbit hole, you know, and I, and I, I got like a crap, I, I got more aluminums today, in fact, but then like still the whole wood thing kind of like, like, like draws me. Like I, I, I'd, I'd love to shoot those, you know what I mean? But I tinker so much that I'm afraid to commit to one like length and spine and tip weight and all that stuff. Um, so I, I'm I'm afraid to dabble into that because I know I'll just fall right down into that rabbit hole and it's a deep one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've shot wood for well since '85, off and on. I've never actually shot a carbon arrow. Really? I, uh, no, I shoot wood. I've shot wood and I've shot aluminum. And uh, uh, Mindy's woods are like they are actually some of the best I've ever shot. O only because. She has like a real meticulous uh, eye for detail and, uh, you know, sorting and stuff like that. Like they're, they're very close within, within five grains, the arrows yep. and uh, super straight. And her finish work is just at, like, I'm looking at a, a dozen here that she's got on the go for a guy, I think he's in Alberta, you know, nice dark walnut stain. Now this guy wanted a pink crown and, uh, yellow cresting with black uh black uh pinstripes in it and then you know she'll do the the yellow fletching and a, a white knock on it and stuff so these things are going to glow in the dark but dang i mean it's i've, actually, I've made glow in the dark arrows have actually, you really <laughs> actually yeah, yeah she does she has a a certain paint that she puts on like if if it's a, a white Sometimes she'll split the crown up. So she made some that just went out to Georgia recently where I think the last three ounces or three inches of the crown was white and then it was neon green for the, the other five. Oh, wow. And she put uh, some custom cresting in there and then put a glow in the dark paint, which is clear, but it uh, when it's uh, exposed to light, like it would be when you're hunting. <laughs> and then when it gets dark, those suckers, they glow. <laughs> so Okay. If, you, if you shoot an animal, you know, and it goes through it, you can look down and you can see your arrow glowing or if it's in the animal and, uh, uh, you know, lighted like, knock, you got like a lighted, uh, lighted arrow almost. Yeah. The, yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have to check that stuff out because, uh, man, I got an interest and, um, I think, uh, you know, next time I order strings too, um, it'd be, cause I, I've been shooting, I've I've got a backup string for my my grizzly and my elk heart, but I don't have one for my ASL. Um, well, I do, but it's B55, and this one has D97 on it, and I really like it better. So I might have to, I might have to to get with you to order order one of those uh, coming up here before before season. At least get the thing uh, shot shot in and stretched and all that stuff. Because I've been thinking of ordering uh order ordering a second uh, like a backup string to this one. So. Um, yeah. 
I'll, I'll forewarn you. Once you shoot her string, that'll be it. So see, uh, like for me, like I'll be honest, like I can't tell the difference between, like I can tell the difference between like a good quality string by kind of like looking at it. Um, and I, like I've I've come across bad strings, but as far as like the feel of a string, um, I can't I can't tell you the difference. Like I'm not that good. But I can tell you if a string, obviously, in tuning, changed the tune of a bow, which, you know, on this ASL, it did. It came with a B55, switched to a D97, um, completely changed the spine, changed tip weight, changed, it changed a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I can't, if, if, if you were to blindfold me and say, you know, shoot this, shoot this versus shoot that, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be able to feel the difference. But I know I can see other effects that the string has on either tune or, or, you know, whatever that I can, I can tell, oh yeah, this is a much better string. So. Yeah. Everybody that has shot uh, Mindy's string say the same thing. It's quiet in the bow by a lot. Uh, you know, Peter Crockett. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, he shoots her strings uh, explosively. So, so do okay. the stick boys actually. And okay. uh, um, everybody shoots them says it's quieter and it's faster. Like, and because Mindy was partially trained by a really influential string builder in the U.S., probably one, I'm not going to say a name, but probably uh, the most influential. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who, who shoot both strings from this guy and from her have said the same thing. They're both good strings, but Mindy's are quieter. So wow. I, I don't know what it is, whether it's just the way that she does it. Maybe it's because she's a woman and, you know, has pays more attention to detail. Or just, <laughs> Probably, just, yeah. Just the way she twists them or whatever. Or, yeah. Like all her strings are pre, pre-stretched to like 350 pounds before you. Oh, get wow. Yeah. She has a custom jig in the basement that she'll put them in and pre-stretch them and uh, and stuff. So you'll get it. Because it's been in an envelope for a week or whatever till it gets to you, when you put it on your bow and shoot like a dozen arrows, it may stretch like a sixteenth of an inch or an eighth. Sure, and yeah. You, you, any, any bow, any string I've ever gotten on anything has always stretched, right? I mean, that's kind of expected, yeah. Yeah, but then once you twist it back up like that sixteenth or an eighth, like a, a, a half a turn or a turn, it does not move after that. Yeah. So, sure. But yeah, every, everybody says that exact same thing. Quiet. It's made my bow quieter. It's made my bow faster and and smoother. Right. It's just something about the way she builds them, and she's quietly building this uh, empire. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. She's she's yep. found a passion, and and that's uh, that, that's awesome. So cool. so we're man, we're on like two hours here. So it's kind of wrapped us up here. Um, so you've got like where can everybody kind of find all of this stuff? So how do we how do we look at Mindy's like strings, uh, arrows, and then your you know the the packs uh, you know like the, the tree stand packs and stuff? Is it all in one spot or, or separate? No, there's there's uh, so I have my own um, is St. Lawrence Traditional. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, um, so you can just send me a message and and we'll you know, figure out, work out what you need and, and get that done. Um, if you're in Canada, then, um, you know, we can do like e-transfer or if you're in the U S then we can do PayPal, um, for my strings, um, any orders of two or more strings, I ship those for free as well. Um, and all of my arrows, like I said, is, is free shipping on, on them. So whatever, 
price we work out depending on what you need is yep. that's it. Cool. Okay. And then, uh, Gary, what about you? Yeah. So they're, they're not mine actually. They're a friend of mine. I just helped develop it, but you can look them up at, uh, M and J outdoors on Instagram and Facebook and he's in BC and, uh, but he does custom work too. So, I mean, if, if you see something that you like, but you want it tweaked a little bit, then, you know, you can work at a deal where he can actually custom make it for exactly what you want. But, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but I mean, like his packs, the packs that he builds, he'll, he gets all your measurements and makes it yeah, tailored to you. Yeah. Wow. So everything, that's, everything's one that's cool. Up. Yeah. Nothing is, uh, is mass produced. And, uh, I mean, like, like, for example, the pack that I designed, the under the seat pack, um, he can make that, you know, longer if you want it, he can make it wider if you want it, make it a little deeper, just whatever you want. But, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a really good guy. And, uh, and yeah, I definitely think that you, uh, you need to get, uh, one of her strings and try it out. And, uh, I think that you'll be amazed. I I know I was, and like I said, I, I may be biased. But when when I first got my Tolkien, I loved the stock string, that skinny little mercury. Oh, string. I hated that thing with the with the yeah. two rows of two rows of serving. I couldn't stand that. Yeah, I I loved that <laughs> thing, and then you know I just it felt good, and it it had a little buzz that I liked when I shot it. Yeah. Then finally, I said, okay, you know, Mindy said, I'm your wife. You should be shooting my string. <laughs> so well, well. Not, not really, because like in the beginning, obviously, I did a lot of um, tinkering around with with things. Like I was, I was making the smaller because he thought that the Tolkien string was great because it was smaller. So I was making, you know, a ten strand string, padded and, loops, and but yeah, padded loops, but padded ten loops, strands, yeah. and um, you know, trying some different things, and he really liked it, and then. Um, you know, so it was kind of like an, it was an evolution of, of, um, to, to where I am now with what yeah, I, yeah. so, um, but. The, the formula she has now is like bomb proof. If you shoot it, you'll, uh, you'd know. And I, I tell right away and everybody that all my friends, everybody shoots her strings and uh, they said, it, it, actually, Peter Crockett, if you look him up he on YouTube, some of his videos, he's done a couple of reviews on her strings. And he has said, I will shoot no other string. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I follow him, you know, watch his stuff, too. So, um, yeah. So, OK, um, I think that's a pretty good kind of spot to wrap up here. So, I mean, both you guys, thanks for coming. We covered a lot of stuff, right? I mean, we could have had like two separate podcasts, one for each of you guys, you know, so we uh, I, I like that we did that. But um, you guys, you're leaving for bear camp in like, a, what, five days or whatever, four or five days. You, by the time this actually posts, you'll probably be back from from from. <laughs> yeah. That. So maybe we can, yeah. you know, yeah, I can do a recap of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I want to wish you guys luck. Um, you know, uh, Mindy, I hope you can pull back on, on something. I really do. Cause, cause I, f I feel your pain. I, you're not the first, but I, I mean that sincerely, you know, I, I've heard that from a lot of people and it's just one of those things. I think you just got to overcome when, how, however you overcome it, you know, well, um, I'm taking my compound, so I'll be, I'll be <laughs> taking my longbow and yep. I'm, I'm sure I'll have, I'll have no problem. <laughs> 
pulling the trigger. I hope so. I want to hear about it. I want to see pictures. I want to do all that stuff. So, yeah. um, okay, I guess Monday, go ahead. 5 a.m. We're out. Monday morning, 5 a.m. You guys are up, man. I okay. I, well, uh, good luck, and I want to see pictures. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, why don't you guys hang out with me here uh, while while we wrap up here? So, guys, uh, thanks for listening. This was a long one, but I mean, I had I had a really good time uh, talking uh, to you guys here, and uh, lots of good information. Um, you know, obviously, you know, check out Mindy's, uh, you know, get, get a hold of Mindy if you want to do arrows, um, uh, strings. I'll, I'll probably be putting in order for, for strings here, like probably by next week sometime. Um, you know, and then, uh, care, you've got, um, you've got a, a, a YouTube channel as well, too. Is it, oh, I, I remind yeah. me of that again. Yeah, it's called Sticks and Steel. And, uh, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's our YouTube channel and we are going to actually be doing like a lot of filming in bear camp, like a lot of beef B roll and then, you know, some hunting footage and stuff. And a friend of mine who yep. is a professional videographer, he's going to put it together when we get back. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, and I want to thank you for, um, y- you know, for your, I guess, expertise in, in, in safety, you know, um, I've done, I've said it before, like a few years ago, I did a video on like how to do like a, uh, you know, saddle hunting redundancy and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, people were like, oh, you know, it's just stupid. You know, if you don't trust it, why go in the air? And why don't you have a trampoline underneath you? And I'm like, you know what? Like if, if, if it makes someone feel comfortable, then why, why wouldn't you, why, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, who are you to tell someone that they're stupid for having a backup to something? So, um, don't let anyone tell you that what you're doing is dumb. Uh, if, as far as like safety wise, don't let anyone, you know, kind of goad you into one particular method of climbing or descending or, or any of that stuff. And, you know, um, just, just safety first. Cause no matter what anybody says, it's your ass in the air and it's your, you know, your family that you got to come home to. So, um, I know, I think with that, um, thanks everybody for listening. If you like this episode, uh, make sure to please like, share, and subscribe. It, it's huge. Uh, follow the YouTube channel, uh, Bowhunting Soul, uh, Instagram, TikTok. I'm just putting up, you know, short little, short little videos here and there. So I really appreciate all the follows and support. So uh, with that said, I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks.